game right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 106 of Squid Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Kieran O'Rourke. How's it going? And Carl Jones. It's too early for Christmas decorations, people. <laughs> You're wrong, Carl. You're wrong. Don't get ornery. And if it makes you feel any better, we're here this week to talk about December of 1998 in the Monday Night War timeline. Thank you very much. So, uh... Pure coincidence is <laughs> panned out like this. I'm not letting you take any credit for that. Oh, Carl, don't, there's no need to be so full of bitter hatred. This is, this is the time to be jolly and, and festive, don't you know? With that said, as we mentioned, we are, of course, here returning to our critically acclaimed Monday Night War timeline here this week at Squared Circle Gazette Radio. If you haven't heard any of our previous episodes of the timeline, you can, of course, go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com, where we archive every show and every episode of the timeline. Uh, as we started this, uh, this voyage, lads, uh, we decided we were going to do it in six-month increments, it then ended up in three-month increments, then two, and now finally it's broken down to one, because so much is happening in the Monday Night War between WCW and WWF, uh, that there's just so much to get to, and of course, as always, we have notes this week from the Wrestling Observer newsletters, as well as the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters, Carl. A little addition here. Uh, from the uh, from the desk of Wade Keller this week, a, a lot to get to. As we said, as we left it on the last episode of the timeline a couple of weeks ago, uh, WCW is in the midst of trying to pull a bit of a ruse uh, on its own wrestlers. Here, Eric Bischoff is trying to convince everybody that Hulk Hogan is uh, is on the outs with WCW, and Kevin Nash is the new Booker, which we deduced was in an effort to uh, try and convince the guys like Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero to sign, uh, since they had a lot of trepidation going in. Over in the WWF, they've crowned their new top star. Wink wink uh, with The Rock and they've been trying to force him over with a lot of promotional efforts that Steve Austin is kind of getting nudged out of quite interestingly uh, so we're going to see how things continue in that vein this month we're going to kick it off here with a note uh, WCW related however the giant Paul White was arrested after the December 3rd Thunder on charges of sexual battery uh, giant was accused by hotel clerk uh, Minda Klitzner of uh, coming up to her and saying do you know why they call me the giant and she responded, is it because you're tall? <laughs> he responded with another reason, whipped it out and began rubbing it on her. Uh, the charges were dropped the next day when other wrestlers came up with an alibi saying they were there with him and the police didn't have enough physical evidence to press charges. So, like stains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Torch reports, Carl, that uh, the giant had been asking for advice uh, from wrestlers in WCW on jumping to the WWF, which most sees an attempt to stop them from burying him on the way out the door. WCW, according to an internal memo, uh, had actually offered the giant... $850,000 for one year, $950,000 for two, and $1 million for the third year in a three-year deal. Um, we talked last time about how so many of the people that hadn't signed, the Benoits, the Jerkos, the Guerreros, the Malenkos, were being offered four hundred dollars to $450,000. The giant there, significantly higher in the, uh, the sweepstakes for Eric Bischoff, but we'll see how that works out. First sign of little problems noted here by Dave Meltzer and the Observer about the WWF's direction. Last week, Sable was scheduled to an appearance at a uh, Mervyn's in Bakersfield and the store cancelled because they claimed that WWF product wasn't something they wanted to be associated with. At the Billboard Music Awards on the subject of mainstream media, Steve Austin presented a Country Artist of the Year award to Garth Brooks, and Vincent Mann did a speech at Oxford University here in the UK. Uh, Sable also came to terms with Playboy to do a nude photo shoot this week. On the other side of the coin... Hulk Hogan is currently filming Muppets in Space <laughs> with Ray Liotta. 
Talk about a down, downfall from Goodfellas. That's a, that's, that's a sad state of affairs there for poor Ray. Uh, we move to the first show, although it's not one that uh, anyone around this table probably watched in preparation for this. It's Capital Carnage here in the UK on December 5th. Carl, do you remember this show? Um, you'd be correct that I didn't watch it in preparation for the podcast. Um, Clairvoyant. Uh, can I remember any of the card? Uh, the answer is no. Okay, there is one note that I do remember, and it's mentioned here. McMahon played the typical xenophobic hero role, saying that the US was going to invade the UK, take over Great Britain, and then appoint a Pakistani to be the Prime Minister. Which, as you can imagine, got tremendous heat. It's like the reverse Farage kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, the X-Pac versus Steven Regal European title match which was scheduled for this and was supposed to be a title change for Regal was dropped from the show when Regal was pulled from all his bookings after not being in condition to perform and it has been reported he is currently undergoing rehab so this is the uh, the only reason why on, I mentioned this on what grounds oh come on now Carl he, he, he was not in, uh, in good shape on uh, Raw on November 2nd and yeah, apparently there's taken this long multiple incidents on house ah, shows okay. uh, in the same vein Capital Carnage actually did 86,000 buys here on Sky Box office which I thought was quite a, quite a high number pretty much actually is higher than any TNA pay-per-view ever in America so well, there you go uh, G- <laughs> in other big news Jim Ross got the word while in England that his mother had passed away from a heart attack Ross actually stayed in England and did the show but on the day of the show began suffering from Bell's palsy and severe headaches while doing the event uh, by the next day the right side of his face was paralysed which is why he won't do Raw and won't be on the pay-per-view or Raw tapings for the next couple of weeks either so Jim Ross is a uh, out of the picture and we get Michael Cole what, what, what's everyone's kind of thoughts on where Michael Cole is at this point in time I thought he was trying really hard to be JR mm. and failing yeah he was trying he was trying Look, I don't... he seemed less uh, well obviously JR as we know from beyond that was whispering in his ear but he seemed less inhibited than he is now possibly and that may be why we see I'm not going to call them significant errors during his commentary, but we do see misplaced remarks. I'll call it throughout his his commentary. And that's probably because he has a little bit more of a of a free reign mm. at that point. Um, Certainly less polished at the same time. Yeah, he's. I was all burying him at the time anyway. Oh well, of course we were. Not. I, I always feel I'm sometimes a little bit too harsh on Michael Cole. In fairness, but um, he is trying at this point, but he's he's floundering pretty bad. But you know, thrown in at the deep end. What, what can you really expect? Just, a, just a quick question because this—it was something I thought when I was watching these shows. Who was in the headset for Cole? Jim Ross. Jim Ross. Was Vince anywhere near the headsets? Uh, apparently not. Yeah, I didn't think. Didn't think, you, think he would have been. You'd imagine it would be less so than today, wouldn't yeah. you? In, in the context of how often Vince appears in segments during the show itself. Yeah, we have, we, have, we have a note coming up about Vince's involvement in the show, which is quite interesting. But uh, we'll move first of all to December seventh because Nitro and Raw are head to head. Nitro does 32,076 fans in Texas for this episode of Nitro. Uh, the show ended with the audience pelting the ring in disgust as three of the final four matches that got into the ring never took place. Uh, Nash did an interview and got booed a hell of a lot saying the Goldberg versus Bigelow match that had been hyped the entire show would be a three-way dance because he was joining in. Uh, more on this After their little on. tete-a-tete backstage. Yeah, yeah, their, their, their standoff. The uh, Scouse tuxedo that Goldberg was wearing when he put his way into the building. <laughs> the, the denim shirt and denim jeans. Still looked far more respectable than Terry Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Flair did an interview, which was the only really good thing on the entire show. Flair got a big pop when he mentioned the name Paul Bosch, which is amazing since Bosch died nearly 10 years ago. Uh, he also got bleeped a hell of a lot. Carl, this is the promo that you mentioned before I uh, went on the air. 
your thoughts on this one? A real, a real highlight of the of the show, and, and, and to generally be honest, of this month yes, for Nitro, yes. as I'm sure we'll get to. Um, having been so poorly used uh, following his, his return and the great promo he cut when they reformed the, the horseman uh, and they cut him off right at the end and went straight to commercial that one yeah. <laughs> that we all know and love um, he'd been used so poorly and I, I suppose to an extent I can I can see what they were trying to do with Bischoff and, and showing the footage of Hogan beating him and just having Eric be the one that cuts the promos I, I can see it, it's that Maybe I'm giving them. Maybe I'm being too kind to them here. Maybe one of you can correct me, but I can see it as that notion of, you know, building the heat, building mm. the heat. But you really needed more flair and the horsemen in the, following that initial promo. There was real momentum there, and heck, it, you know, it won the night for them that night. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not one for hot shotting, but you can certainly have more. Could have had more of a focus on them initially following that. So I was. A, Pleased at least as critical as I normally am of the Nitros in '98. I was pleased that during this month of December we got to see some some real good flair promos. Indeed, indeed we did. Uh, Steiner versus Scott Hall never started as the uh, NWO Black and White attacked Hall. Lex Luger and Kernan made the save, but they didn't do so well either. And then the Giant showed up. DDP then ap- uh, appeared and cleaned house for the save. Originally, the new booker, Kevin Nash, was supposed to be in this angle, but Smiley decided he didn't want to be used as the setup guy for DDP, so he pulled himself from the angle. Uh, Bret Hart came out for an interview with no program to talk about. He mainly talked about his cat being happy to see him. <laughs> uh, he was becoming target practice and told Gene Oakland the cups were being aimed at Gene. <laughs> this is uh, this is where he talks about his cat, Smokey, which, as it turns out, and, and we saw the video on YouTube about how Bret said that Bischoff thought it was a Hilarious and wanted him to keep building up the, the idea of his cat Smokey coming to ringside and as it turns out it would be like you know a stuffed toy with a brick in it or something like that for a, for a heat finish <laughs> yeah. as, as, as pointless as it all seems I must admit I do get a kick out of sarcastic Brett yeah oh he's great you know, these groin pulls are, are something fierce but yeah <laughs> the fact that he's soldiering on through and uh Doing a nice bit of stick work is yeah, it's ple- is pleasing. Yeah, talking about all the people that he's put on the shelf, but he's out here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> the show ended with Goldberg, Nash, and Bigelow brawling for approximately forty seconds before security ran in, did the pull apart, and thirty-two thousand bottles and cups were thrown at the ring. Uh, this is one of the most perplexing three hours of Nitro ever. How can you put on a show this bad when you have this kind of attendance? Says Meltzer. So a scathing review. And again, a lot of these shows are, are littered with matches, and I'm not going to actually talk about all of them because they're pointless. They're point this matches like Scott Putzky versus Van Hammer and it yeah. goes 13 minutes you know, yeah. matches like this that just boggles the mind yeah on, on trends in December that we'll notice during these nitros there is far too much Polish power Scott Putzky for my liking <laughs> there's far too much Van Hammer there's far too much Brian Adams there's oh, far too well. much Scott Norton Ugh. Yeah, Mike fucking Enos. Yeah, Mike Enos. Oh, he's still here. <laughs> he's still knocking around. I, 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 Mike Enos. Mike Enos opens the the first pay per view of the new year with Benoit. Oh. It's the opener. So there's mo- there's, uh, <laughs> there's there's more Mike to come. Um, but just on the because I know I've talked about attendances in Nitro and that what seems or WCW what seems to be their strange placement of shows. Oh yeah. And we're still just, on, we're still on that. Yeah, kick, by the way. well, yeah, but just to, you know, it's it's in the uh, the Astrodome in, in Houston. You think, God, just think if you'd built that up for a big pay per view, like maybe, <laughs> maybe if you'd held Starcade there, that's in about four weeks' time, perhaps that you know, that thirty two 
thousand might be something more for a building that can hold north of sixty thousand. Well, I'm sure. But no, here's Nitro. <laughs> I'm sure it's a mistake that only make once this month, Carl. Don't you worry. Over on Raw, the same night, it's a taped episode of Raw. We start off with the New Age Outlaws coming out in suits, doing a very delicate water spit, because it appears that they have, in fact, joined the corporation. Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels do a promo, and it's noted that Shawn is not as over as you would expect. Yeah, this is weird. This whole period. <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, I um, I, I didn't like. Sean been anywhere near this this month no um, except it was all made worthwhile with the one line of when he's talking to the ladies it's time to stop your grinning and drop, drop your, your linen, linen. <laughs> <laughs> which yes I did use at work today uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when is your appointment with HR <laughs> <laughs> that was it <laughs> um uh, yeah, so Sean comes out and him and Billy look like they're going to, to come from the masters or something yeah yeah um this fake you know the fake swerve which obviously we'll, 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 yeah. you'll, you'll get to um, but this the conversation with, with, with Sean and Trips it's like Sean telling Trips he's fucking he's not a main eventer and yeah. he never will be blah blah Sean and there's G- gimmick infringement and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Um, and then he he makes some I can't remember what jabs Triple H. So, Triple H say fucking boring. I can't remember what he said now. Yeah. Oh well, that's it. Live, it's funny to note. Live, Shawn Michaels stood there and actually completely froze mid promo. If you mentioned this is a tape show, he walked away from the stare down while Triple H just laughed. Shawn pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket as if it was a script, started reading it, and then came back and finished the promo. <laughs> so I don't know if it was real or not, but Triple H was pissing himself. So <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what this attempt. I guess to. As you get this month, lots of attempts to raise the profile of DX and inflation in, uh, in general. So uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, also on this show, Goldust uh, flashed Jeff Jarrett, causing him to lose to D'Lo Brown. Uh, Deborah did the same thing later to Goldust, but he didn't care and beat Owen Hart, who was distracted. Uh, Steve Austin came up for his interview, and a cross was on fire, and the Undertaker made some weird religious threats. We made mention of uh, Undertaker speaking in tongues and trying to embalm Steve Austin on the last uh, episode of the timeline. The continuation here of, uh, I guess, the amping up, if you want to call it that, of the, this, this heel Undertaker. Yeah, as, as much as I enjoy Flair's promos during the month of December, I have the exact opposite reaction to anything that involves the Undertaker. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, I, I never cared for the Ministry at any point, and this is just grade A bullshit. And it, it's almost stuff that I think it doesn't damage Austin because Austin's above it, frankly. But it's just the sort of thing I said. I think I'm not sure I want my I wouldn't want my top baby face associated with this nonsense. There's a lot of stuff that um, they got away with yes. around this time, which we'll come to. Um, which uh, I think before we mentioned before, I set them in bad habits for, for years that followed, namely the treatment of Rock. We'll come to that. Um, fucking take it. He's got to be the luckiest guy in that company because he's only in that position because of, of tenure. Yeah, tenure and being position. grandfathered in and being considered a, a hot, the, one of the last hot creations from the first era. And, and needing someone, and just needing someone to to effectively keep Austin busy before he feuds with the Rock. There is such little depth on totally. this roster, and we talked about this in the trial car about how you know what Taker's there because needs must yeah. a lot of the time, and it seems like a, a disrespectful thing to say to someone who everyone considers to be an icon. But the fact is, this stuff does not hold up at all, and didn't hold up at the time. Oh, it's, I think he's always been like a. You know, he was always the fucking novelty act anyway. And 
as you say, these periods, it's there's literally no one else. And yeah, okay, he's he's got some cachet, but fuck me. If you if you built anyone to go against Austin, it, would it make any difference if Taker was there or not? I don't yeah. think so. Just nothing for me. Probably not. But it's like we've talked about before throughout the year of 98 for anyone who wants to go back and listen to those podcasts. We've talked before about whilst the WWF has these, you know, is creating these new top guys that are getting over like an Austin, like a Rock. Foley's been... Uh, Rejuvenated through more more of the comedy shtick, but it, you know it's working. There is that chronic lack of depth underneath. That's been the case throughout the year. You know, you you can look at the the top of the card, and when you know you scratch below the surface, and you've got the Godfather, you've you know Tiger Ali Singh still knocking about the Job Squad. Now some of these acts are over, don't you? Know? Blackman, Black Black Blackman's involvement is far greater than I remembered. Oh yeah, he's everywhere. You know, Dan Severin's still about. You know, there's a lot of stuff underneath that just doesn't cut the mustard. But yeah, you know, like I say, some of these acts were. You know, I can't I can't refute the, the notion that the Godfather is over. But you can refute the fact that Ty Riley Singh was absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, China helps Mark Henry beat. Draws uh, on this show, and Mark Henry's very, very happy with his development. Uh, Blackman versus Singh was a ma- uh, <laughs> yep was a match that was only interesting because there's heat among the boys on Singh, uh, thinking he doesn't sell enough and people don't like his attitude. Basically, Blackman, who's one of the tougher guys in the company, was in there to give Singh an attitude adjustment, so he's just laying everything in very stiff and making him sell. Amazingly, this did not make the match entertaining, and you wouldn't know to watch this farce. What I will be curious to know, Liam, I don't know if you'd have the individual breakdown or not. Does that Singh and Blackman match beat what goes against it on Nitro? <laughs> we will come to this. We will come to all of this. Ken Shamrock and the Big Boss Man against X-Pac and Triple H uh, takes place here. The Outlaws turn on the corporation to a great pop, Billy Gunn hitting Shamrock with a chair. You thought if this was a big setup, they would have like set something up to make out like bandits, not just a little shits and giggles one week on... We got you. Yeah, <laughs> but hey-ho. Yeah. Um, I just want to say about Kenny Boy, because he's... He's so like down the pecking order on, on priorities now, but he's kind of. I thought he was great. Like, this killer what? jock. I was going to say the same thing about Shamrock. I, th- he's never been prioritised less, but I've never enjoyed him more in the WWF yeah. from this period. It's in a, f- a few weeks' time. We'll come to it, but it's when they're dragging. Can't remember what, what the exact angle is now. When they're dragging someone along, and he t- you see him scream out, "Let me beat his brains in!" <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Mick. It's Mick. Okay. It's Mick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Austin and Mankind versus Taker and Rock is the main event. Pretty much loading up with their four biggest stars in one match. Austin and Taker were brawling, and Taker KO'd Austin with a really bad-looking chair shot. Uh, they wound up tying Austin to the Undertaker Ministry symbol or cross and crucifying him or symbolically tying him to the cross and raised it in the air. To which Steve Austin mouths, I'll get you, motherfucker, as this minor inconvenience takes place. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, do they gently ease him down to the ground and then they just leave him, you know... I like the thing they the just left him there. <laughs> yeah. that, was the, that was the real strife. That's the rib. Yeah, oh, fuck, I don't get down there. Oh, this, yeah. oh I'm going to be late for my fucking... Uh, on the subject of the ratings, Raw this week does a 5.1 to Nitro's 4.2. So, uh, almost a full point victory here for Monday Night Raw. Uh, Nitro over the two head-to-head hours only mustered a 3.85. And Ric Flair's interview, good as it was, uh, saw the rating fall from a 4.3 to a 3.9, marking only the second time in 1998 that a quarter-hour featuring Flair had a ratings drop. Flair's promo, which saw the ratings drop, went head-to-head with Mark Henry. (laughs) 
That does not surprise me. <laughs> the final quarters on opposite sides is a 5.6 for the Austin and Mankind versus Taker and Rock match uh, to the 3.7 that the triple threat fiasco. A decimation and a clear message being sent here in the interest in these main events. TSN in Canada edited the crucifixion angle off the show and, uh, and there, was, there, was, there was quite a bit of a backlash on the WF for this uh, specific situation. However, it should be noted, just days before the Rock Bottom pay-per-view, that was actually the go-home show, uh, there was no finalised card other than Steve Austin and The Undertaker and a Buried Alive, Rock vs. Mankind for the Belt, and Goldust vs. Jarrett with the Goldust or Deborah stripping angle, depending on who loses. The eight-man gimmick match with the Oddities and Luna vs. ICP and the Headbangers, which was originally planned, has been changed since the Insane Clown Posse quit the promotion. Yes! They were mad about their role and put up the big fuss about having to take the Stone Cold Stunner <laughs> from Steve Austin on television, which actually got some people talking on the UK fan form about whether or not that was true, and there you go, that was the reason they quit. Nobody was exactly sorry to see them go. Steve Austin's Rolling Stone article was played up on Raw, and Goldberg's featuring People magazine was completely ignored. <laughs> uh, there was also no mention of Wrestling with Shadows, uh, which is due for public release on December 20th and is uh, getting a lot of uh, attention at these film festivals. And uh, yeah, so a lot of talk about Wrestling with Shadows. No mention from WCW. Stephen Regal finished his rehab stint on December 9th, so that, that, was, that was a short stint, if ever there was one. Uh, despite reports to the contrary, he's still with the company and is expected to be back at the next set of tapings. There must be some sort of major WCW raid on ECW going on because WCW has signed Mikey Whipwreck for $100,000 a year and also signed Chastity, Jason, uh, sorry, just Incredible's valet at the time. Two kind of minor oh, signings. Back when, he, when Incredible was the leader of the village idiots including Jason and Nicole Bass and all that lot yeah Yeah. great loss (laughs) (laughs) Uh, on December 11th Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage had a meeting with Eric Bischoff about angles for their impending returns a scenario was discussed Uh, what? Yes, you've heard me right. Hogan and Savage had a meeting with Bischoff about angles for their return on December 11th. He can't be coming back. I donated to the campaign. (laughs) (laughs) He's still running for president, Carl. Don't you worry. Any day now, he's going to announce his running mate. Uh, A scenario was discussed where Hogan and Savage would return as a babyface tag team to feud with Hall and Nash. Uh, The president deal seems to have lost all steam. (laughs) So Hogan is probably now sitting back and waiting for this current regime to fail. One of the deals, also, is just like nobody wanted to see Hall versus Nash that their feud bombed, no one wants to see Hogan and Savage together as a team. Uh, the idea that Nash wins the belt and then hands the belt over to Hogan and creates a new NWO with himself, Hall, Hogan uh, and Luger, which was reported here as an idea given up on, is not a dead idea. While nothing is etched in stone, it could still happen. I'd rather they go with the Mega Powers Reloaded. You get the, you get the, you're getting the Mega Powers or you're getting the NWOs back. Either way, they're bringing something back, Carl. Uh, the real case of Hobson's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Eminem Mars signed a multi-year sponsorship deal with a WWF valued at more than $10 million uh, this week. Coca-Cola is also said to be considering a major marketing program, so as much as there is uh, negative press in some of these uh, New York Post articles from Phil Mushnick, quite a few... Oh, oh, uh, oh Mr. Mushnick, was yes, it? Yes, yes. Oh, right. Indeed, indeed. I am very surprised to hear that tidbit, though, because the, sort of the, the legend goes, as it were, that sponsors were leaving the company left right and center and that was that was always uh, Bischoff's fallback position during the, well not the worst of times for WCW Nitro as we'll get to in later podcasts but uh, <laughs> but but during this particular period it was always that sort of that fail safe if you like for Bischoff wasn't it but mm-hmm. yeah when it was always part of his spiel that look they 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 corporate sponsors are leaving left right and center they can't maintain these risks it's going to turn people off and you know when they depart where are they going to come to yeah 
Well, we'll see, because obviously long-term there, were, there was something to it. Uh, a note from the Pro Wrestling Torch this week. The paychecks for the September breakdown pay-per-view uh, caused some major unhappiness in the locker room this week. The Undertaker was said to be extremely upset with his payoff. Uh, the pay scale for the event actually ranged from five grand for the undercard wrestlers to a hundred grand for the, uh, the top guys. Business has been great, yet several wrestlers who are calculating their pay to date uh, say they will barely top their downside guarantees. Uh, which is a note that will come to play later on in this very podcast. The plan for the Sandman and Chastity, both of whom have been signed by WCW, is along the lines of Raven's mother is going to send his best friend from childhood, the Sandman, and his sister, Chastity, to clean him up and get him out of his current depression. They will come in straight laced, but after a few weeks, instead of them cleaning him up, he will be dirtying them up and they'll end up in his uh, new flock. Surely it would have made more sense to send Dream. Kieran, any enthusiasm on that one? None. <laughs> there is a huge deal uh, that hasn't been finalised but if it is it will have potentially huge positive repercussions as it regards to WCW's position in the current wrestling war brace yourselves lads we're getting to this later in this episode it's a hook it's a hook something big is coming on December 13th it's not Glacier is it <laughs> and it's not the big show either no, it's <laughs> Why do they call him the giant, Kieran? <laughs> December. You'd, you'd think someone called the uh, Klitzner would know. <laughs> <laughs> December thirteenth. It's WWF's Rock Bottom pay per view. Seventeen thousand six hundred seventy-seven fans sell out the building. A zero point seven eight buy rate for two hundred ninety-two thousand five hundred buys. A pretty poor show, if uh, if truth can be told here. A fucking hideous finish to the Rock Mankind WWF Championship match one of the most gutless finishes you'll ever see where Mankind puts the mandible claw on the Rock the Rock passes out and Vincent Mann at ringside says the Rock wasn't pinned he didn't submit and therefore still the WWF champion the Rock as, as Mankind has, has, has made him pass out and beaten him yeah a nice screw job there following on what three weeks from the Survivor Series so uh, Wade Keller's hot takes are standing up to close scrutiny aren't they <laughs> I did love the ba- <laughs> You'll never mention Montreal or do a screw job again. I love those giant banners of the rock though. The banners look oh, great. When, yeah. when, when he comes out with the McMahons, he looks great. And, yeah. But like, well, he looks great. I mean, it's Bush League for a pay view today, but still. Yeah. Um, fucking, I rewatched this at the start to see if, like, they foreshadow it with announcement, like, the only way to win is pinfall or submission. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this was following on from. The, what mankind at Survivor Series banging on about, I, you know, the only way to lose was, you know, was to be pinned or something. And I, I, I never said, I, I, I know, I never said I quit. So it was playing off of that. So there's something there, but there is. It's just fucking bollocks. And then you've got <laughs> uh, you're just changing the rules. It's not. Way. And then you've got Michael Cole going. I think it's the next night. Sorry, uh, Vince says the only way to, again reiterate the only way to win the, the, the title in WWF is by pinfall or submission. And Cole goes, he's right. He's telling the truth. <laughs> Yeah, ch- what? Ch- channeling is in a JR right there. What the fuck? Yeah, well, we'll come to that because there's a big note on that that we're going to get to. But anyway, also on this show, Rock and Mankind doesn't main event. It's a it's a interminable buried alive match with Undertaker and Steve Austin. Just a fucking dreadful match. Steve Austin had an intestinal virus and had barely eaten uh, in the seven days before this, and then he tore his oblique or abdominal muscle by bumping on the dirt, which was uneven. So he landed on one side, and the other side went down, tore a, tore a muscle uh, in his side, and was pretty much off he was out of action for quite a while after this a, a real trooper nonetheless to gut out and uh, and get through the match this um, match stinks they, Taker is awful oh, in this. 
the thing is uh, he's been awful in so many he was <laughs> underwhelming at Highway to Hell he was awful at Breakdown in the three way the match with, with Kane well uh, uh, no, uh, no, Judgment no, Day no need to say anymore the match with Kane yeah alright that's it uh, Steve Austin had to go to the hospital after this show such was his injury uh, the oddities match which was uh, after the ICP left was going to include Luna Tiger Ali Singh and Babu oh god was also changed once again because Babu was extradited back to Ecuador <laughs> 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 for a combination of having to stand trial for crimes in that country and not having a green card in America. <laughs> and just think for how many years ECW wrestlers got away with it when running the show. It is a, an interesting dichotomy though, isn't it? That even with this talk of of the moving towards The Rock and Austin feeling like his nose has been put out of joint, it's... I, 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 I only assume in this case that it's a case of wanting to send the crowd home happy, but it, it's interesting that even with that at the forefront of their mind it would seem they still want to be closing the show with Austin so it sort of maybe shows a bit of a bit of uncertainty perhaps I may be reading too much into it but maybe that's something that will be more telling in, in future months and yeah, well, weeks they, and months they had to know that, that finish with Rock and Man Kong was yeah, bullshit yeah. and Austin's the star anyway the, uh, the biggest star in the company biggest star in the business so um, Owen Hart is embarrassed in Canada against Steve Blackman on this show as well he's placed in the sharpshooter Michael Cole comes out with there's nothing worse than losing to your own hold in your own country uh, Owen Hart then uh, gets the ropes to a huge pop and then walks out for a cheap count out loss really satisfying the Canadian market here um, in other historical news this is the first time Mark Henry has ever called sexual chocolate uh, and there's some very strange schizo Shawn Michaels booking on this show where he uh, again you mentioned there uh, getting the babyface reaction for the whole uh, quit your grinning and drop your linen line Kieran in a pure babyface role putting the, the, the dollar bill down Deborah's bra and stuff like that and then in the next match he's in Shamrock and Bossman's corner against the Outlaws as a heel all over the place it's just this notion of Michaels is completely miscast as the commissioner you know, the notion of a, of a Shawn Michaels authority role following on from everything he did with DX was, was lunacy in the first place and just goes to show what, whatever ideas they had in mind, I don't think they were clearly th- thought through. And to me, and I think Kieran's a good example of, of this in the, in the opinion he gave earlier, it, it hasn't, hasn't translated well to the screen. Worse than that, so I thought he was lined up a lot, a lot of times, he was... He was Obviously, the the spokesman for the corporation at certain times when the McMahon's went around, and just the line of like he'd be in the middle and he'd have like Rock to one side, and then like Bossman or fucking Shamrock to his other side. I'm thinking of one promo in particular. I can't remember what it is. And yeah, Rock's a standing there. He's the world champion, but Sean's not really. He's not stealing the limelight from him. He's just he's happens. You know, he's been cast in this, and he's mm-hmm. he's standing there too. He's not like yeah. I mean, if Sean wanted to be a dick and. You know, grab. Uh, there's one little one when he's uh, during a match, he's ringside and he's like, he's hard camera sides, and so you can see him gesticulating. Like, you can't stop looking at him, but he's not. I don't think he's stealing it like. The, the way that we know Sean could. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No Sean, he could have done this. Yeah, like, he could have been a petty bastard. Yeah, he so, to be. but it's, this, the dynamic was it was pointless having him next to Rock, but then, thank God, like, Rock gets the mic and it's just like, fuck, yeah, game on now. But he should have been presented like that all the time. He should have been front and centre. Yeah. Um, so it just is a horrible fit. Um, and I wasn't sure why he was even there. I'm hoping you're going to tell us why he was there and why he goes from some some observer notes. But um, I just, there's no, there's no, apart from it being December X and that was all they were building around this <laughs> December month. December X. <laughs> um, th- that was, but even then it was like it was such a sub- lower on the priority scale that you know, what Sean you know, Sean and DX and he should after the, the, the outlaws sent back I, I was wondering oh is there some kind of mini swerve here with Sean helping Triple H at some point I can't remember what happens but it wasn't no 
There wasn't no. more. No, no, nothing of the sort. Eric Bischoff had a meeting with talent before Nitro. Uh, he officially told them that Kevin Nash and Diamond Dallas Page have now joined the booking team with himself, Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes, with Terry Taylor moving over to production. Uh, he spoke about big changes coming in January with the company. He said they are going to reinvent wrestling early next year, claiming they did so once and will do it again, and told everyone that he didn't want them uh, attempting to compete on a vulgarity level with the WWF. A couple of interesting things there. You mentioned before about how Bischoff's kind of train of thinking about the vulgarity stakes and again telling people don't do it, don't try and compete with them, don't try and out-edge them and uh, we'll come to why very, very shortly. So that is all well and good and, you know, retrospectively... Big changes are coming in January. Big changes are coming. He had a point. Maybe you think if you get into a war of attrition with the opponents and they have a weakness which you're going to obviously ergo the attrition, um, maybe you'd like set yourself up for with a bit of longevity and foresight and planning to get through this period and for the you know the uh, the attritional nature of your war kicks in for the opposition. Yeah, it's it's one thing to say, oh, they're going to be hoisted by their own petard in the end. It's another thing to have your own plans in place. Like, right, this is how we're going to capitalize. This is what we're going to do now. And I don't think Nash and DDP having the books going to cut it, frankly. But you think. This, you know, this is sort of the holding pattern if you like and this is how we're going to really capitalise when things spiral out of control it's, it's funny that he, he he never seems to indicate when he thinks this impending implosion that the, the WWF's going to have it will, will happen he's just uh, he's just quite confident that it will mm-hmm. Uh Back again, head-to-head, December 14th, Raw and Nitro. We're going to start with Raw. Austin misses the show due to injury, and as you joked, uh, Kieran, before, from now on, the rest of the month pretty much becomes the DX show. Uh, DX impersonates the corporation to start the show, with a Jason Sensation returning as HB Gay, yeah. and really stole the show again. Yeah, he totally stole the show. They didn't even name-drop him, did they? They're no, just... no, he's just there. Yeah, first of all, he comes out, and the crowd thinks it's basketball. him. <laughs> yeah, oh, he... look, Sean, you dropped the ball yeah. again. What's well, the great line? Um... The reason I'll never lie down is because I'm always bending over. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> Just another couple of thoughts I had on it, though. Was one was Triple H again doing his rock impression. Mm. The least charismatic yeah. of these fuckers. Doing exactly the same thing they did the last time they did a DX. The uh, yeah. Except, um, yeah. Rock wasn't as quite the star then, and it's like he just looks Bush League again. Pac was ace again as. Screaming Ken Shamrock, that was funny. <laughs> but the worst, the most infuriating thing, and it's and he obviously still does it, is Michael Cole and commentary. This is great, King. No, shut the fuck up, Michael Cole. Yeah, you can't if you have to tell. Don't us tell me how fucking funny Triple H is. Yeah, because he's not. But then the corporation comes out, and The Rock does a fantastic promo <laughs> where he marks everybody's catchphrase. And I remember this one vividly when he did this the whole, yeah, I'm the best, there is the best. Was, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it. Oh, yeah, dig it. No, that's not it, that's not it. Goes through all the WCW top guys' promos, basically with, mocking them. With Sean showing particular delight at the best there is, best one. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big grin on his face there. But uh, And I remember that one thinking, you know what's so funny is like six months to a year ago, this would sound like petty and competitive but he has every right to do this right now because he is so far ahead of every single one of the people he's just mentioned you're absolutely right but it's also a continuing trend within the company itself they are much more vocal about the competition for the last, for the last two months you know, yes in, 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 in very much in that sense of you know kick them with we, the yeah we, we can see your struggles you know we see things like you shooting yourself in the foot with, with Halloween Havoc which they reference at Survivor yeah. Series about um not not telling the the company the pay per view companies that they're going longer and, and things like that. And you just see this well, an arrogance 
basically it's it's sort of Vince is being channeled through everyone at that point to uh, to really rub a bit of salt in the wounds absolutely uh, the blue blazers unmasked as Owen Hart ending that mystery uh, for all of us here on this show one or two people have remarked that the the blue blazer gimmick was an, an attempt to embarrass Owen because he, he refused to do the Deborah storyline and I just wondered about the time frame in that in the sense of they'd had the Deborah flashing gold does, but it distracts Owen instead. Mm. And I wonder if they, they this if at this the... point they were still playing with that idea well, or, try, or using the blazer almost as a way to throw We're going to keep doing this to well, you until you agree to the storyline. Maybe, but Jarrett and Owen weren't even all that closely linked yet on the show. So I mean, you, you kind of you could tell the connection because obviously you got the you know they're showing up as the blue blazer. When, when Owen's yeah, you know, so there's kind of like a loose connection there that they're alluding mm. to, but it's not over that they're a tag team or anything like that yet. So. <clears throat> and in fact, doesn't have we had Jarrett's uh, vignette yet? Were he telling us what about no. what piss, pisses him off? Oh no, I, I think that might. Women be in enough. politics pisses him off, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Hillary Clinton pisses him off. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, a, a minute and a half promo where everything in the world pisses him off. Yeah. Character development, Carl. Yeah. Although uh, it, it should be noted, there's a reason here. Jeff Jarrett actually was him and Val Venus were the two biggest ratings. Death knells in the WWF at the time. Worse than Blackman, worse than Tiger Valley Singh. It was, it was uh, Jeff Jarrett and Valvinus were the two yeah. ratings killers, yeah. Uh, Shamrock and Bossman beat the Outlaws for the tag team titles on the show. Kieran, you have to love this one. After Michael Cole said that Vincent Mann was right, the titles only changed hands by pinfall or submission. Shawn Michaels hits Billy Gunn with the nightstick, Shamrock puts him in the ankle lock, Gunn's knocked out, and the titles change hands. God, that's cleared up. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I don't know. You know, that whole WCW insult about lack of consistency yep. and stupid finishes, I think this one kind of gets passed over quite a lot here. Uh, at least they can point to their product and say they have finishes, though. Mm, I guess so. <laughs> uh, Vince and Shane came out and picked Steve Austin as the first entrant in the 1999 Royal Rumble. Vince then said that someone who has never wrestled in the WWF and is the only person who could save Ted Turner's WCW would also be in the Rumble... Himself. Oh, well, before he announced himself, Shane's there doing this like this height thing, like it's some giant, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. To which Vince, I think, shakes his head or something. <laughs> uh, said that it was Vince McMahon, and of course he picked uh, number thirty for himself. He also offered a hundred thousand dollars in a bounty to whoever eliminates Steve Austin. So Vince is in the rumble. This is going to be quite yeah, good in the next we, couple of weeks. We're going to get some greatness. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, Mankind versus Kane takes place on this show. Goes to a non-finish. Uh, McMahon calls Mankind to fight out in the parking lot. Uh, in the meantime, Kane is taken away by orderlies after Shamrock and Bossman run in to attack him. So uh, the corporation is uh, taking care of Kane and getting him away. Meanwhile, we'll go back... Oh, go that, ahead, Kieran. That was because Kane interfered in the taker... Austin match was yes. like yep, yep, yep. So it was, uh, Bear in mind because it'll make no sense in about a week's time no it won't But <clears throat> so Kane's taken away by the orderlies uh, after Shamrock and Bossman attack him of course then we cut to Mankind going out in the parking lot to beat up Vincent Mann and the Stooges throwing him into the garage doors and such uh, before The Rock arrives and gives him a rock bottom on the car which is just nasty looking but great stuff it was great stuff and Gerald Briscoe is just <laughs> a great, great man. Just I love Patterson. Patterson's Patterson. Oh, I always look at, my eyes always on Patterson. On really, I, I just I love I love Briscoe's just dumb gimmick. It's fantastic. He sells dumb as well. Oh, his yeah. body moves yeah, when he's getting taken up. I mean, the, the Stooges the Stooges are great, but I think what probably what puts Briscoe ahead of Patterson is the sycophantic nature of his brown nosing. Yeah. He's so much so much more overt in his brown nosing of Vince. 
There's a great Briscoe moment coming up in this one. We'll talk about it then. All you've you got to hear is Mr. McMahon, and it's just and you're there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the main event of this show is Rock versus Triple H. The Rock gets the win. Uh, Melton notes here in the Observer: Rock's gyno is looking really unsightly, and he's basically becoming a man with breasts. Did That's, anybody else notice this? Yeah, not too well, much I wasn't drawn to it. No, to I wasn't honest. drawn to it. I was drawn to Rock's feet because they're so fucking quick and move so fucking smoothly. This guy is a joy to behold. Dancing around. Oh, he dances. It's when he, yeah, when he hits the ropes and he sees little his footwork. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's a fucking, you can see his football footwork. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, and he's so quick. He is. He's fucking great. Andrew Martin runs in and gives Triple H the meltdown to set up the pin. Martin, uh, befitting Team Corporate, is going to have the name Test, which is short for testosterone. So they are actually naming wrestlers after steroids. <laughs> I'm sure that will end well. <laughs> yeah. What? Really? Yeah. That's that was those are inside. I, I I always wonder where the name came from. Yeah, that's it. It was short. It was actually given to him when he was in the training school. Apparently, the guys would call him Test for testosterone. I just got a kick out of this scene, like him in the ring with Triple H, and Triple mm-hmm. H must have been going fucking insane. Yeah. This guy's bigger, blonder, and bigger. He's blonder. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope he doesn't lose that. Let's hope he doesn't improve and get better gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on Nitro this same night, and I love that. I don't know why this always stuck with me. This segment. Canyon reveals that Raven has a trust fund. Don't tell him. Don't, Don't tell him, Canyon. <laughs> yeah, basically, Raven scorks. He doesn't want to wrestle Scott Putzky, and I can't say I blame him. No, who could? <laughs> trust trust fund's not going to make you know that that money's not going to make you happy when you've had to go in the ring and fucking pussyfoot around with Polish power. Well, he he, he sits down. He's not going to wrestle once again. He's he's been doing this for for weeks. Canyon comes out and he just like he goes through the whole thing about how he had an Ivy League education he got a degree in pre-med and then says he's got a 3.2 million dollar trust fund he's like for his 16th birthday uh, Raven's mum bought him a Mercedes and then Raven just goes my mother never loved me (laughs) 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 fucking Raven's great in this I love it Uh, however in in a, in a uh, in, in something that is not so good Eric Bischoff does an interview Ric Flair comes out and challenges him to a fight chases him and starts clutching at his chest and crumples down in the corner. It is, of course, the Ric Flair heart attack angle. Uh, well, well, no, 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 well, 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 no, 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 no. This is what they there, say. Uh, there is a precedent for this, and we need look no further than the reliable source of Kevin Von Erich when he was talking about his dad, Fritz. <laughs> it wasn't a heart attack, it was his back or his arm or something, but uh, it wasn't a heart attack. He was just clutching at his chest he for support. Was, yeah, that's all it was. Oh, okay. Kidman offered a cruiserweight title shot to Mysterio Jr. and had a very good match. Uh, Ray and Kidman then turned the, uh, turned the tables and double-teamed the LWO. So Ray's kind of in that weird role here of in the LWO, but not... At the same time, with it's a ridiculously oversized T-shirt, the T-shirt that's like five sizes too big. It's, it's kind of it's a it's a messy end segment of the match because you have Kidman clearly on the hard camera getting out the ring and looking at the ring as the LWO members pile on Ray. Mm. Then he runs back about a minute later. Yeah, timing's kind of off there. It's just you know. Thank heavens that Eddie's involved in this and that Eddie's on camera because Eddie's so ace. Because because otherwise. Good grief. There were some matches this month where you watch it's Eddie just... and it's like every single thing he does is like so good. You'll go I'll get you'll go like weeks without seeing Eddie Guerrero wrestle in his prime and you watch him and it's like fuck me. This guy's unbelievable. It makes you as, as much as I don't like the sort of the general LWO shtick, 
it makes you wish it had gone through to completion and you'd seen them all there cleaning his cars and cleaning his house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bret Hart does a promo, again, talking about injuring guys uh, and, and being there live and they can't do anything. There's not really nothing to talk about. DDP comes out to confront Bret and the giant uh, jumps DDP and then choke slams him off the stage uh, to set up their match at Starcade that's coming up. Uh, Conan beats Stevie Ray to retain the television title. Important match there. Uh, we'll get to the note on why later. Uh, Chris Jericho does a promo on Conan here that I think is probably the highlight of the entire show if you remember this where he calls me a, a baby Huey looking like <laughs> says that uh, he talks about when he lost the TV title that whole the weapons that, that Conan used like and his story about why he lost keeps getting bigger and bigger he bought a chain in and then there was a shovel and then there was a oh. chair and then <laughs> you know Ra- Ralphus aside um, Jericho is, is is continuing his greatness yeah. throughout this month and that and his multiple hairstyles are just golden yeah he said he, said he was trying to reach for the ropes when he tapped out and uh, he said that he was too legit to quit <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Eric Bischoff comes out and cuts a somber, babyface esque promo, revealing that Ric Flair had suffered a heart attack. No, it's his arm or his back. It's <laughs> not a heart attack, Liam. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, Raven's... Kevin told me. Yeah? Oh, okay. Sure, he wasn't some kind of. I got an autographed picture for you, by the way, Carl, after the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raven's mom showed up backstage and asked Canyon to bring her to Raven, but Canyon wanted $50 because he was broke and she's rich. What a superstar Canyon is. Who better than Canyon? Yeah. Uh, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell do a promo on Lex Luger uh, with the idea, the idea being that Steiner and Bagwell, who are a terrific combination, should be mentioned once again, are trying to get Lex Luger to uh, leave the Wolfpack and join NWO Hollywood, saying that Lex gives so much and gets nothing in return, <laughs> which is about the exact opposite of what I think of Lex Luger's WCW run. Uh, they talk about how Conan had a video and Lex did not. Sting left him. <laughs> Conan's got a video? Did you know that, Kieran? No, I Have you seen not. it? No, no. Ah. Can we put it on now? We'll get to it. Sting left him to go to Hollywood, uh, says Scott Steiner, although he was actually... I thought Sting was injured. Injured in storyline, of course. <laughs> and it was Nash who knocked him over the top rope in the World War Three Battle Royal. All intriguing points, and Lex Luger considers them, takes them on board. The main <laughs> event is advertised as a three-way match. Goldberg, Nash, and Bigelow once again, but this time there will be no outside interference. The match finishes in five minutes with interference. <laughs> a big schmoz to end the show. <laughs> Rinse, repeat. They just did the exact same thing they did the week before. Raw wins all eight quarters in the head-to-head ratings. 5.2 to Nitro's 4.2. So a full point victory here. Uh, the Ric Flair heart attack angle, which was unopposed because it was before Raw went on the air, did a 5.9 quarter hour. So big numbers there for Nature Boy's uh, apparent death. Uh, the next quarter afterwards, however, dropped to a 3.7. In the main event segments, Rock vs. Triple H did a 5.0 to Goldberg, Nash and Bigelow's 4.9. So, the promise of no interference in delivering the match went well. <laughs> we'll see how it goes mm. when it comes time to pay this off in the future. But uh, and, and bearing in mind, Nearly won the quarter. Yeah, but bearing in mind these... Um, no, nearly tied the quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Bearing in mind these... Um, poor endings to the Nitro shows and the fact that we're already seeing a cons- round about a consistent lead of a full point yeah. in the ratings. You wonder about chickens coming home to roost eventually. Well, yeah. 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 Nitro actually managed to beat Raw in the ratings in the UK uh, this week. Over That's unforgivable. 300,000 viewers to 290,000 viewers. So uh, Nitro I, is not dead in the UK yet. I apologise. Uh, Stevie Ray 
We're talking about uh, notes here. Steve Ray complained about doing a job for Conan on Nitro. Uh, Ray went up the ladder to complain until it got to Bischoff, who totally put his foot down on it. At last, Bischoff's begun taking a stand. Stevie Ray, do that job. Sucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve McMichael no-showed Nitro. He's currently in a depression about how his wife looks on WWF TV after thousands of dollars of surgery. I didn't think she looked that different, to be honest. Well, you know, yeah, it was his wife, and you see your wife gallivanting around. Maybe she, maybe he was just sad that she was with Jeff Jarrett maybe. instead of Billy Gunn, as was originally planned. Do you think him and Kurt are in like some little club somewhere? Uh, Smoking jackets, just <laughs> reminiscing <laughs> wives and throwing... Darts at Jeff's face. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Jeff Jarrett Anti Wives Club. Yeah, uh, Randy Savage was at Nitro this week and was said to be the biggest and most cursed that anyone had ever seen him. And he's forty-six years old. Uh, he also looked to have grown new hair. It's amazing how these forty-eight-year-olds suddenly like grow. It's nature. <laughs> nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some media outlets, at least for a short time, that reported that Ric Flair's heart attack was real, particularly in Chicago. <laughs> they actually tried to convince everybody backstage that it was real, believe it or not. Of course they did. Yes, I don't believe that. Of course. Yeah. I don't doubt that for a second. And Ric Flair mentioned in his book about how Bischoff told Rick to not even tell his wife. <laughs> and Rick did, of course, because why the fuck would you do that? And I, I don't know, there's many things that Flair probably didn't tell his wife. Well, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, which wife? A note from the torch here, WWF management originally wanted Tess to join DX. Uh, at rock bottom, management ran the idea by Triple H, uh, and also Rodog and Billy Gunn. They were all against the idea, expressing the opinion that DX should not be an organisation that accepts green rookies, no matter how much potential they have. Finally, Shawn Michaels... <laughs> Finally, Shawn Michaels stood up for DX and proposed that Tess play a Diesel-like role in the corporation, and the uh, WF management agreed with that idea. See, Shawn the diplomat. Yes, always doing what's right for everybody, including his best friend, Triple H. Uh, but again, which kind of ties back, because Tess was originally seen as the bodyguard for the Motley Crew thing, where DX were, were out gallivanting, so there was a tie-in there. Um, Sable is home training for her Playboy photo shoot, uh, which is in a few weeks. Uh, the issue okay. will be out in April. Uh, it's not guaranteed to be on the cover, but if they know what's good for them, as far as selling magazines, it will be. Um, everyone is noticing just how rapidly Bill Goldberg is cooling off. A few months back, his merchandise was huge, but now it's actually being nicknamed Coldberg by the booking committee. Wow, that is fucking stellar. That's why they're the bookers, because that fucking crazy. Because they can come up with shit like that. Because, yeah. It's like, wow, we've achieved, we've iced him like we wanted to. Yeah. Fucking with the man. How amazing. How amazing. And, and, right? and even so, it's probably still outselling everything else. <laughs> there's, not, there's not much that it is selling at this point. No. For whatever reason, WCW has either decided not to, or simply de- never decided to, promote the Bret Hart movie on its television, even though it sponsored at least one of its grand openings. It was a decision made by Eric Bischoff because he felt the portrayal of McMahon in the movie was too close to his television character, and thus he felt that the movie would actually help the WWF. The fact that the movie makes Hart into a bigger star and thus helps WCW apparently isn't as important. <laughs> to be fair, though, I kind of understand that thinking. Because if you watch that film, you come to the conclusion that Vince is a bastard. He's a bastard, and but still the wrestling guard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And how much is Bischoff in that? He's like insignificant. It's like nothing. He is. It's you know Vince is the wrestling world. It's it's Brett's video. It's his. It's Brett's universe. Uh, so to speak and it's, it's all like Vince or mm-hmm. WWF so I, I kind of get that um, it's just I think maybe making a deal of it because they don't advertise anything anyone does ever is probably the bigger point but whatever plus plus the fact that actually, Bischoff I think is, is mentioned only by name and there may be one cutaway of him but, but it's also that notion of throughout the documentary Brett does harp on about the fact of how 
he doesn't want to leave the WWF. How he loves the How WWF. How much he loves it. He doesn't it's all about the WWF. It's and like, he, and well, he, yeah, in a and way, he doesn't, yeah. And he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to leave. So you, you can understand it from that point as well. Um, I'm just more surprised that you told me that the reasons behind WCW not promoting it in any way. Because I wouldn't have been shocked if you just said that they didn't promote it. And that was it. Because they, yeah. they were lazy yeah. bastards. Yeah. In the same way they didn't promote... they didn't realise yeah. they were sponsoring in, in, in the same way they don't promote Goldberg in People magazine. Or- then that raises the question, is the falling through the cracks thing, is that accurate 100% of the time? Or do they use that as an excuse when they just fucking didn't want to promote something involving someone who maybe wasn't Hogan or... Yeah. That's it. That, I'm sure they. Yeah. I'm sure some stuff went by, but other times, like, you know, fucking... Uh, Goldberg is the sexiest bald man. Exactly. <laughs> that, that doesn't. What about Hogan? Oh, see? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's no, why. No, that's why that never uh, got promoted. Right, Hogan wasn't mentioned. Hogan's not bald, though. Hogan's, oh, exactly. Yeah. Hogan's not bald. Oh, sorry. Here's one for you. Roadblock uh, has been talked with about coming to the WWF as a mass wrestler who would be Golga's brother. Who the fuck was Roadblock? Remember Roadblock? He's no! The, he's a fat guy who was on Nitro in like 96, 97. Luger got him up in the rack quite a few times. The big fat shit that used to come to the ring with like the fucking, uh, the, the roadworks uh, thing. Sign, yeah. Wearing like the road warrior uh, shoulder pads. I'm with you now. Yeah. Wouldn't that have made more sense to bring him back with the recently rehabbed Stephen Regal? It'd be like traffic management with a hard hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rath's contract has expired and he's given 90 days notice. Since everyone knows what kind of big money WCW is offering guys, Rath is looking to get a huge raise. And we'll probably get one. Uh, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor have a wedding planned for the Valentine's Day pay-per-view from Memphis. Uh, they've been doing that obviously they've a tag team too much, uh, frequently appearing on Shotgun and Heat and nowhere else. Nowhere, to be, nowhere near Raw. And they're doing the uh, overly ambiguously gay tag team where they're hugging and rubbing of each other and yeah the plan was to do a gay marriage on Valentine's Day um, we wonder if Jerry Lawler will give away the bride it's said that Brian Christopher and Lawler are both heavily against this angle and they're even more against it because the pay is scheduled to take place in Memphis Tennessee <laughs> so uh, there you go this is in the, didn't see the light of day and thank god yeah let's, let's be thankful for small mercies mm. I'm going to assume it was a Russo idea <laughs> I think that's fairly safe. Uh, Mick Foley was number two on the Time Magazine internet voting for Man of the Year when it was announced on Raw this week. The next day, he had more than 34,000 votes and was in first place. Ric Flair was high in the same poll for Man of the Century, and WCW hasn't mentioned it once. <laughs> Further to what we were saying before. Yeah, don't they even play up that um, he gets screwed when he... Does he get taken off the poll or something? Or I can't remember being the Yeah, comments. yeah. But um, just in general at this point, you t- mentioned it before about the character of Mick, and he's really... He's doing yeah, the comedy stuff, but it's he's, he's so affable and so charming and so lovable now that you know they're kind of you know the semi dumb, but will kill you if he has to, and it's just yeah, just good fun. He gets so so adorable, Mick. Yeah, well, well that's it. What a fall from grace it's been. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's, yeah, sixteen years. Yeah, to the point where his false teeth have fallen out on Raw. Oh, oh don't. He, he's coming across as very affable, very sympathetic character, but they still do make a point of emphasising his dangerous side, this notion of a deranged individual by having him lurking around in boiler rooms, seeing him attack Vince, things of that nature. So he's still, you know, he's not just some complete comedy shtick. Out, no, you know, he's not Kurt. Out on the, out on the, no, absolutely. He's, he's, still being, he's still being portrayed as a credible threat to the corporation, someone they're still busy spending their time trying to eliminate. Yeah. Uh, on December 18th, USA uh, ran a piece on Scott and Dana Hall. 
Uh, Alan Sharp of WCW responded to the piece saying that Scott Hall was in rehab earlier this year and, and this is a quote, since Scott returned, he's been professional and performed his job for WCW like he should. The man has a right to make a living. He's conducted himself well with us. Uh, We can't just ask him to leave. Believe me, if he came to one of our tapings and we felt like he was under the influence, yeah, we'd have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. He's had two car wrecks, two or three arrests, uh, and most of which have been related to alcohol abuse directly after coming out of rehab. Uh, but apparently, in WCW's eyes, this constitutes not having a problem. Look, when car wrecks six and seven happen, rest assured he will be suspended and sent home with full pay. Uh, to be fair to Scott, how is he supposed to get from the rehab centre to the off licence to his hotel without driving? <laughs> It's logistics, people. It's logistics, people. <laughs> poor Scott Hall here. I don't want to say poor Scott Hall too many times over the course of these podcasts. He's having fun. He's having a blast. <laughs> he's having a fucking whale of a time, but no one's helping him. This, I mean, yeah, yeah, we've, I mean, yeah, all kidding aside, we've seen how the laxer attitude worked with Pillman, how it worked with Louis Spicoli earlier, earlier this very year that we're talking about. Here's Scott Hall, and, and the WCW's own fucking PR guy, Alan Sharp, throwing his hands in the air. Like, if something had happened with Scott Hall... They'd have been fucked. Who the fuck is this guy, though? Does he know anything? Yeah, he's right. He's right on the inside with like with Bischoff, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, he's okay. like he's one, of, he's, he's one of Bischoff's like five right hand men, apparently. <laughs> but not not in the same way Beefcake is a right hand man. Okay, thank, thanks for the clarification. There's a war going on, and we need to win. You know, there's ratings to be had, and I, I don't want to use this as a defence of Bischoff, but just imagine his mindset is shit. I think that was what was plastered over the booking sheets as well but, um, <laughs> we're now losing by a point every week I need those ratings damn it I don't give a fuck about his problems our next note here and it's a big one it is in fact the big announcement that Eric Bischoff was promising the one that was going to change the landscape of the wrestling world drum roll Kieran drum roll Kieran here we go are you ready everybody in the biggest wrestling deal made in this country in recent years, Eric Bischoff has put together a deal with NBC to begin airing two-hour primetime wrestling telecasts beginning on February 14th head-to-head with the WWF's pay-per-view with a show live from the MGM Garden Arena in Las Vegas and a second show that will be broadcast live head-to-head with WrestleMania on March 28th. The deal had been in negotiations for at least two weeks and was finalised this past weekend. In addition, NBC is scheduled to get heavily into using pro wrestling as a cross-promotional vehicle, using many of its biggest TV stars on the inaugural show, including Chandler Bing of Friends. (laughs) What? Although nothing is official, one would also suspect that the deal will speed up the return of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage to WCW, as no doubt the Hogan name would mean more to NBC officials than any other name in pro wrestling. Hogan has again become a valuable commodity in the wrestling world, because Fox has also been interested in starting its own primetime weekly wrestling series, and was hopeful of beginning in February, and there were tons of internal rumours in the profession that it would be trying to build the series around Hogan. Uh, as speculated here from the start, it is now apparent the entire chasm between Hogan, Bischoff and Nash was a work on everyone, and at least Hogan and Bischoff's falling out over the Nash decision was simply a, a publicity stunt for Hogan, who was going to leave to do Muppets in Space anyway, and possibly as a way to artificially up the morale. This is the big one. This is the one we've all been waiting for. I, I feel like this deal will always be stuck in second gear. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> Our friends, man, that was <laughs> terrible. Um, you'd imagine you know, Vince having having Jerry McDevitt by his side as he as he's known to do. 
would have some sort of exclusivity Get agreement Dick on the phone right now. Well, that's, when you, but you can picture it. You'd imagine that Vince wouldn't be. I don't know. Well, maybe it's the sort of thing that could completely blindside him because you wouldn't assume that the company that uh, your banner shows appearing on would go and get involved with the competition. It just seems a very strange setup to me. Sort of like almost cross pollination, if you like, of the, the, the networks. And you know, how does how does this fit in with with Turner Broadcasting? I can't imagine they'd want a deal like that to happen either. Well, this is obviously a, a big deal, and we're going to get to, into more of the nuts and bolts as we go along. But initial thoughts? Um, just really that if this goes ahead, I can only assume that Chandler Bing, Bing's taking the title. <laughs> Whereas if this happened on Raw, they'd have Rachel Green with a pokies in a wet t-shirt con- competition. Yes. Just the different dynamics of the shows at this point, I guess. Mm, indeed. Uh, there was a lot of ill feelings during the middle of the week regarding the Ric Flair heart attack angle that obviously got pressed in Chicago. Uh, others felt the company really insulted their intelligence as Bischoff and Arn Anderson tried to pretend it wasn't an angle. There were people taken in as apparently Dave Penzer and Charles Robinson were crying backstage and Doug Dillinger, who's known Flair for years, was also really upset. Uh, the heart attack tease was conceived by assistant booker Diamond Dallas Page. Who gives a shit if Dave Penn's upset about anything? <laughs> That's not what I was expecting he was, to say. He was, he was so worthless that you can't even hear him doing the ring announcing on Nitro most weeks. Yeah. Or the, the pay-per-views. The commentators are speaking over him anyway. The music's yeah. playing over him anyway. <laughs> What's no, the point? Who gives a shit? Yeah. However, um, Diamond Dallas Page has, uh, came up off-air in between takes here at SCG Radio as somebody who... We've kind of universally kind of soured on a little bit as this timeline's gone on. Yeah, I would hope for a suggestion like this he'd be so disgusted with himself that his left hand wouldn't high-five his right hand. (laughs) Just awful. Awful. To be honest, I started to sour on him when I found out how much G likes him. That's always a clincher for you. God rest his soul. To go back, again, putting the mindset of the time, I I was very tribal with my WWF. I I thought WCW, I I bought into the hype. It was the the old boys' network. I didn't give a shit about the number of stars. I I liked liked my Kool-Aid kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, Page was always just another old guy who somehow looked into this. And now it's come out, obviously, through these shows why he looked into the position which so many other guys on that roster were deserving of. Because he was, you know, yeah, just another rim job. First <laughs> thing that came to mind, honestly. The thing with DDP, as we were talking about, is I, cause I was a DDP fan at the time, but when I say at the time, my, my as we were talking about before, my mindset of when I liked DDP was actually way before this. And I think I mentioned to you about how the Raven and Benoit series was pretty much it for my, my DDP fan. I can't really remember anything that he did of value. After that. Of course, there was. There was oh, well, Rodman, Leno, Malone... Goldberg, all that stuff, but it never. I didn't care to be quite honest. I, I, I didn't think, care about Page. I think his his lack of value at this point is clearly highlighted by his booking contributions. Yeah, he's well. a detriment if nothing else. But as as offensive as the whole Ric Flair thing is, there's something we haven't touched upon yet during this particular period. And I think it's something that needs to be be brought up here because it is it's more offensive. It pisses me off more than anything that anything that they do in the ring. These fucking nitro party adverts oh. with these fucking oh. no marks. I mean, my god. Yeah. Do you blame these solely for the conception of Ready to Rumble? I think that. I hadn't thought about it in that context, but I think you're onto something there. Mm-hmm. How about the guy these... eating the cake shaped like the WCW logo? He, yeah. he was a special sort of fan, wasn't he? It's, you know, it's like they're fucking. 
They're the fans that make what us all look like fucking idiots. The guy, there was, there was one this month I remember watching the where... The dweeb with a Goldberg yes, entrance. Yes, that's the one I was going to mention. He, make, exactly he, makes, mention. he makes Gilberg look legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> that's how terrible it is. Uh, December 21st on Nitro, oh. the, the Goldberg Nitro party near you. Uh is in the TWA Dome, Carl, funnily enough. It's the largest gate in company history up to this point. $914,400 at the gate, uh, with 29,000 people paid in the building. Great. But the arena holds over 50,000. Mm. My point here well, is... Well, there, there were more in the building. They, did, they, they announced yeah. it was like 40,000, but it wasn't. You know, th- these, these venues aren't cheap to run. And they got money. Well, yeah, they've got Uncle Ted's money, but it's just... God, you 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 put these show you you book these arenas for your big shows, months of a Goldberg Hogan build. You stick it in the Georgia Dome. There's every chance at that point in '98 you sell the whole place out, let alone forty thousand if you do it properly. Yeah. Same with these sorts of venues, you know, and, and you can make it look really you know, big league at that point. It's just it's a continuing. It's continues that theme of lack of proper forethought and planning from the company. I just. It's just one of those. Where it seems daft to me to sort of turn my nose, but the fact that they're drawing twenty the largest game company history. Yeah, yeah. It's. I don't want to. Obviously, it comes across like I'm belittling that. I don't mean for it to be that way, particularly when you consider the WWF narrative of WCW. Their peak is only getting eleven thousand, all that mm. nonsense. But it's just. I just think how big that is, off the back of what have been terrible TV shows, and apart from notable exceptions like Flair and Jericho. And generally poor pay-per-views for the weeks and months that have preceded it. You just think with proper planning, and you stick you stick that show on in there, and you get fifty thousand in. Snowstorm uh, actually took place this day and killed Walkup because they actually could have broken over a million dollars in, in for the live gate. Turns out it was just Glacier's pyro gone wrong. <laughs> Uh, the show, this is the go-home show for Starcade, and it was absolutely carried by Ric Flair, I've got to say that right now. Uh, Nash does an interview, and the fans are chanting Goldberg, and I love that, because Kevin Nash, in an, eff- in an attempt to justify why he books what he books coming up, says there are Goldberg sucks chants that can't be ignored, and uh, there's also a Nash sucks chant during this promo. Uh, Go- uh, sorry, Gene Oakland interviews Raven, who said that his mom just wanted to get attention for herself and be on TV when she came last week, figuring that if Judy Bagwell could be one of the tag team champions, she figured that she could go on TV and spear Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted a contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a great line from Raven. Uh, Bischoff does a promo uh, in the building as the horsemen arrive. It's a real nothing happening promo. Um, Eric's oblivious to the fact the horsemen are arriving in the building uh, the horsemen attack Scott Norton backstage four on one and Norton refuses to sell <laughs> and they're kicking the shit out of him and like at one point as they've all been there like yeah come on come get some like he's holding his own against all four guys like that's just fucking horse shit Norton refusing to sell um, Ric Flair finally gets out chases Eric Bischoff and the crowd goes fucking crazy uh, Shivani deduces he must not really have had a heart attack Mm. Genius. Nothing slips. No, no, nothing, get past, nothing gets past him. Ric Flair then takes the microphone after Bischoff. Uh, they, they chip as he chases out the building. Flair comes back and uh, swears on the graves of Dick the Bruiser and Bruiser Brody that he will kill Eric Bischoff and Barry Windham if he touches them tonight. Great stuff. One of two great Maybe segments. Someone's playing up heritage and history in Missouri. Yeah. Well, Flair's been doing it this whole uh, this whole yeah. this whole month. Again, he's the highlight of this month for sure on WCW. Uh, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell come out once again. Bagwell was dressed as Mark McGuire in a Cardinals jersey uh, with a bottle of steroids. 
Scott Steiner then asked Maguire Bagwell how many homers he'd have hit without the steroids and he said five uh, being that Maguire was nice enough to give Goldberg all that pub over the summer doing that angle on him was very low class of WCW says Meltzer uh, Scott was supposed to burn the Maguire Cardinals jersey but it wouldn't light so he just burned the cap instead yeah, also on the show, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio have a, a pretty fantastic match that's worth going out of your way to see. Uh, there's a match that's not worth going out of your way to see, however, in Barry Windham versus Van Hammer. Yeah, don't worry, Ric Flair runs in and makes the segment great. He beats the absolute shit out of Barry Windham, thumbs in both eyes, several low blows. Punch, yeah, just the, the, the flare punches, chops, and he's just beating the shit out of him. Um, it, the scene gets even better when Vincent comes out to try and make the save, and then Arn Anderson comes out and just lays waste to uh, to Virgil, and he's just it's classic comedy. He's just stomping him on the floor, and then he just fires up, and the crowd's going crazy seeing Flair and Arn beat them up. This is the one that this is one of my favourite segments of the month. This is just fantastic, and then. The losers continue to pour out as Brian Adams and Horace try and make the save, but Benoit and Malenko were there, cut them off in the aisle, and they beat the shit out of them as well. Are they at least selling the aisle? Uh, a little bit. Ad- Ad- Adams is reluctant, but Horace is going for it. Horace, Horace is taking these lumps like a man. Um, they-, they end up brawling backstage. Again, like you say, the TWA Dome, a huge building. They go through the curtain, and you can see masses of empty seats in the background. Um, so what ends up happening is the, the brawl continues, won't stop. So the-, the security and the police mace Benoit and Malenko and Hanker for them. The whole idea is the hypocrisy of, after all the shit the NWO's done, now the horsemen are trying to do the same thing. They're getting uh, cut off by the police. Ric Flair comes back, however, and uh, literally starts crying in the ring and does one of his best promos of his career. Basically talking about a lot of real things and weaving it into the story. And Lex Luger beats Kenny Chaos with a torture rack. Chaos had one of the WCW Tag Team Championship belts with him, uh, which makes no sense since Rick Steiner was out for months and Chaos had already vacated the belts to form the Rick Steiner-Judy Bagwell Tag Team. So, uh... No one knows what the fuck's going on with these tag titles in WCW, so might as well have been in the bin with a TV belt for all we care at this point. And in the main event, Bill Goldberg beats Scott Hall by disqualification in three minutes after a run-in from Kevin Nash. Uh, Kevin Nash pulls Hall out of the ring and Bam Bam Bigelow does a run-in. There's absolutely no reason for Goldberg to not jackhammer and pin Hall on this show, the go-home for Starcade. So once again, a fuck finish on Nitro. A, a, a not very impressive show apart from Flair. Over on Raw this same night, December 21st, uh, and, and I love this, this we're going to talk about Briscoe on this one, but Vince McMahon leaves Shane in charge for the show. He's, he goes away. What about the bonus? <laughs> uh, Shane pretty much makes all DX versus Corporation matches for this show, and makes himself versus Mankind, while uh, Patterson and Briscoe kind of look at each other as if there's going to be hell to pay when, uh, when Vince comes back and finds out. Well, Vince, yeah, Vince says that although Shane's in charge, he holds uh, Uncle Gerald and Uncle uh, Pat responsible for Shane's actions yes so yeah and I'll come back on him uh, Al Snow gets a bloodbath on this show and this was what was mentioned on the Vince Russo's Unsolved Mysteries but I think it was uh, Paul Seabeth who mentioned to us about how Al Snow's screaming not again not again as if he's been through this traumatic experience before never mentioned again never explained <laughs> why bother Hawk comes out speaking of set of, <laughs> of a long running storylines here looking like he's been punched in the eye and reveals that Draz is the drug pusher of the WWF. Uh, Draz jumps Hawk and Animal pulls him off. Uh, Lawler responded to this whole segment by saying there are no drugs in the WWF. There's rock and roll, sex maybe, but not drugs. <laughs> I believe you, Jerry. Steve Blackman beats the Blue Blazer uh, via DQ and Owen Hart interferes. Uh, Hart was claiming they edited the tape last week when it was revealed that he was the Blue Blazer until Michael Cole informed him that Raw was live <laughs> last week. <laughs> uh, Goldust makes the save and the Blazers are masked as Jeff Jarrett. 
uh, in between all these matches on this show, they're doing the Mark Henry skit backstage with Jacqueline and Terry Reynolds. Oh, Mizza. And I know you guys want to talk about Mark Henry again and talk about the pleasant surprise of November and December. Sexual chocolates back in the house. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure I didn't... I'm not sure if I, if I missed any in the build-up to this, but obviously... Uh, Mizark's got a couple of wenches on go backstage. He wants to go and service or be serviced by before his match with D'Lo. So, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be Mark Henry and D'Lo <laughs> against the headbangers. Yeah, later in the show, yeah. So, they, uh, it's fucking, it goes on for ages as well. It's, oh, it's, it's so awful. Constantly will come back. Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's Mark's, him being tied up Mark's, on the thing. It's him being tied up on the table, stripped yeah. down to his red silk boxes. Which one when they take his trousers off? He just bursts out laughing, and then Terry bursts out r- laughing as well. <laughs> Nothing to do with the story. And then they just get back into character and go on. It's yeah. fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, so they tie him up, and uh, yeah, c- occasionally cuts to and from, um, depending on what's going whipping on. Him and whipping him. Uh, yeah, eventually they tie him up, start whi- whipping him. It's all going well, Mark's having fun. He gets D-Lo's up. outside, pacing back and forth, saying, Come on, Mark, we've got to go! D-Lo's great as the comedic sidekick there. Yeah, there's oil, there's whips, there's a ball gag, which Mark likes. Uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, D-Lo hears Mark scream, he's coming. <laughs> yeah. C-Lo's saying, Mark, we've got to go, and Mark's in the room saying, I'm coming, I'm coming! So then, yeah, yeah. So, boom, boom, boom. so D-Lo goes off, and uh, while uh, <laughs> while, while um, this, this is all going down, on commentary, I thought Jerry was hilarious. I'm, I'm sure some people wouldn't like it, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, Jerry's doing this like commentary like he's getting fed messages from the back, and like he'll just go, How many gerbils? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Like this, nothing to do with anything. Nothing, but it's it's like someone's wound up the king and he's having fun. It's like yeah, it's just, it's just and of course this whole thing pays off. To Mark Henry's not ready for the match. Dealer gets beaten by the headbangers, and as Dealer's kind of walking up the aisle, Mark Henry's there comes out with like the shit all over him. Like it's just like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah eventually Gary, Jerry gets word in the back just as the match ends. Oh, Henry, Mark's free, Mark's free, and then he, <laughs> yeah, he stumbles out. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's the, the end of this long, long situation backstage. Uh, the Road Dog beats the Big Boss Man to win the Hardcore title in a good brawl on this show as well. Quite enjoyed the Road Dog in the uh, the Hardcore setting. I thought this was his, uh, uh, he, had, he has a pretty fun run here as the Hardcore champion, I felt. Mankind beats up Shane McMahon and the Stooges, including the Ball Claw on Pat Patterson, which is absolutely fucking... <laughs> oh, yeah, how can we forget the C-clamp on uh, Mark Henry's balls? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, this is a C clamp of a different kind here from Mankind. He was, he was Mark was just he was committed to it. Wasn't he, he was, he was, so, and it showed through. He took real pride in that work. It was. <laughs> X Pac comes out and gives a Bronco Buster to Shane McMahon as well, which will, will tie into a later event as we head towards uh, March next year. In specific, there's a very weird segment on this show with Fred Blassie dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> you know this? Yeah. Well, it's all the women on his lap, and then he says Santa's going to get some. <laughs> What the fuck was this? WF attitude, Liam. Yeah. Freddie clearly didn't uh, have the sort of same moral fibre, if you like, that um, Bruno had back in the day. No, not exactly. Vince returns from his uh, his absence from the show. And the Briscoe! Yeah, hang on a second, here we go. This is it. This is the Briscoe moment I was telling you about, where the Stooges vow to share the heat with each other for this. Patton's like, I'll take some of the blame with you. And then as soon as Vince comes out, Briscoe goes, none of it was my fault! <laughs> <laughs> fucking great the stooges are so this this is the thing about Raw though I mean we're kind of just talking about this in broad strokes like there are little bits of like legitimately good entertainment just sprinkled throughout the show little bits of brilliance from these little side characters and it just makes the show flow so much yeah. better than a Nitro where you've got all these talented guys 
but none of them are doing anything that maximizes them and gets the brilliance out of them you know like we, we, there's like a random match here and there with like Eddie and Mysterio that's great a, a, a flair promo but everything else is just mired in mediocrity yeah. but here you got Mark Henry who's hilarious well, that's, I the mean, Stooges are hilarious Vince is great in his role DX is over Mankind's great you know yeah I mean, as, as much as I, I get a kick out of the Mark Henry stuff here it, it's like you say Limit it's that maximising the what's well, it's almost the Heyman philosophy, isn't it? You know, that you hide the negatives, accentuate the positives. Nobody wants to see Mark Henry in a ten, fifteen minute match stinking up the joint. But you know, in some nice, you know, comedic skits where he can show off a bit, a bit more charisma than we're used to seeing, you know, it's perfectly fine, and it's not interfering with sort of your grandest, you know, serious title picture stuff. So you know, a bit, of, bit of comedy on the side is, is absolutely fine, and, and the Stooges both in the same regard. You. You wouldn't want to see the Stooges cutting the the twenty minute promo that you'd get from from a Vince at the start of the show, but these little bits throughout the show just sort of sprinkled in, you know, showing off just how much of a brown noser Gerald Briscoe is is wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Main event on this show is a Triple H and X Pac against the Rock and Test, uh, which ends with Kane appearing and joining the Corporation, which is where Vince has been the whole time bailing out of the insane asylum apparently, uh, choke slamming all the members of DX, and the show ends with Kane throttling China. Uh, as if to tease a chokeslam on her as well. But it will lead in the next couple of weeks to some great Pat Patterson stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. He's, Pat's wonderful when it comes to the interaction with Kane. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to that. Uh, Raw did a 4.7 this week to Nitro's 4.0. Uh, Nitro again in the two head-to-head hours only could muster a 3.65. Miserable stuff. Uh, the main event on Raw did a 5.1 final quarter and a 5.8 overrun. WCW with Goldberg, who was fading fast because WCW failed to stick with the formula against Scott Hall, did a 3.95 rating for the overrun. Raw peaked at a 5.4 for Shane McMahon vs. Mankind and the climax of the sexual chocolate angle. Mark Henry is money after all this. Uh, Flair won WCW's first quarter hour in ages, a 4.2 going up against Raw's opening segment, which was a 4.0. So Flair being great uh, was the only victory for Nitro on this evening as we head towards Starcade. Though in a a noticeable, although Raw have won the night, a noticeable drop off in Raw's number from uh, pre- yeah, previous absolutely. two weeks. Well, possibly um, no Steve Austin. The impact of uh, or lack thereof of having Austin on the show yeah. shows that whilst things are are getting better with 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 rock and and phone thing you know the the there is one man that's still clearly the focal point when he's not there let's make a dent yeah makes a dent uh, in the uk we actually destroyed nitro uh, in this head to head 240,000 homes to 90,000 homes um it was on christmas day over here in the uk so tnt had a lot of uh, movies on I think it might have bumped the Nitro time slot, which would explain why ah. from our perspective. Uh, Steve McMichael was backstage at Nitro, but for unspecified reasons, Bischoff told him not to bother getting involved in the horseman angles with the NWO. Bret Hart was also there, and Bischoff, not wanting the movie, which was released the day after, to either be addressed on the air or ignored by admission, felt that it was best for Hart to not even appear on television and cancelled his planned interview. Well, that's just the logical thing to do, isn't it, really? Of course it is. Let's not use them at all. thing is, they put guys on shows, and it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, you just give them some random bullshit spot most weeks anyway to fill to fill a, a segment. So it's only Bret Hart, you know? It's only like $3.5 million a year. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. 
Do it next week. Yeah. Maybe. It was proposed that an angle be done where Miss Elizabeth would be linked with Billy Kidman, but she turned it down. This is his mom. It was being described as a Mrs. Robinson angle, oh. because that's, you know, Kevin Nash is, uh, is so hip that he's, you know, big into the graduate, I suppose. Uh, either she didn't want to be the mother of one of his classmates, or didn't want to be linked to a cruiserweight in an angle doomed to mid-card oblivion, because she turned it down, says Meltzer. Shawn Michaels went to a back specialist in New York to get another prognosis of his future or lack thereof in the ring this week. Although there is a lot of talk about plans for him to wrestle Triple H at Mania, there are no plans of him wrestling until doctors rule that it's possible for him to come back and give a timetable, which at this point has not happened. If he could wrestle by that time, that is the natural matchup. So uh, there's a little bit of talk here that maybe, maybe, Shawn can make Mania. It's like... It's like the kid at school who doesn't want to do PE, isn't it? <laughs> Comes in with a doctor's note every week. Yeah. Why was Sean Mort back, first of all? Just because... Oh, we're still waiting to find that out. Okay, I, I, th- I just assumed it was the Randy Savage on commentary, you're under contract, so you're going to do yeah, something. Yeah, that was it. We, we did mention it on that last yeah. time. It was that they were, they were looking for a reason to use Sean, because they had that huge wage bill, $750,000 a year to sit on his arse, while he collects an insurance policy as well from Lloyd's. <laughs> Come on, we gotta get some return on the investment. Just bring him back, put him on the air for whatever star power value he has. Eric Bischoff had a meeting with the wrestlers on Boxing Day and claimed that WCW has numerous, huge multimedia deals on the table. He said he wasn't going to reveal many of them because, <laughs> because he didn't want them getting out. But he did mention a network Saturday morning cartoon show, a deal which he claimed was for six NBC specials over the next year, and two movies in the works. With that level of exposure, if WCW puts on a good product, says Dave Meltzer, it will be very difficult, as hot as the WWF is right now, to keep pace because of the inherent difference in exposure level. Well, one of those things half came true. Um, there was a movie. There was a movie. Um, I just, I, I don't buy into that line of argument at all from oh, Big Dave. I don't either. I think I it's mean, fucking bogus. Considering, considering how much they are struggling to put anything coherent together week to week with Nitro and Thunder the complete overexposure of a poor product to me would only speed up their demise let's see where they're at in a year (laughs) (laughs) whatever initial boost you may theoretically get from that first special once once you've booked the same old crap that everyone's seen on Nitro and Thunder for the the next week let's see what special number two and special number three did Mm. I I think it'd be a disaster for them if it it ever were to happen yeah I totally agree I just don't <laughs> Logistically, I, I don't. It's like a hypothetical statement Meltzer's made there. It's mm. rhetoric. I don't think it's real. The only thing, maybe, if okay, you fuck over WrestleMania and shows. Okay, you, you're probably hurting the opposition a bit, yeah. taking money out of their pocket. I can see that. But in terms of actually swaying things, we've seen long enough. It's momentum and and, and um, crane stars and, and um, carrying over momentum and they haven't got momentum to carry over or expose or to expose to a, a new audience they've already ex- done that that's that's happened exponentially the last two years yeah but they ha- they're, they're clearly thinking this is going to be the fresh start because well, it's you- a carrot yeah but they're thinking that the sins of the past year which are starting to take effect with the ratings dipping can be washed away if with this big exposure we do this great you know, a, a great show and we get somebody you know, you know the way they think it's like you said the carrot is basically what it is but logistically if Okay, so they do these specials and they do a fucking eight for the first one. Mm-hmm. Regard, forget what it's what it'd be up against. They do an eight. Um, what does that get them apart from one great rating? They, well, they, 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 we know what they are. They would sacrifice the whole. Fu- they sacrificed pay per views before and after for this show, mm-hmm. which they wouldn't promote or, or build. 
Raw, oh, sorry, Nitro would be a complete mess because they're, they'd be, it's an extra thing they've got to build for. So you've got, you'd have another fucking confusing thread of storylines being woven for this, or not at all. No, they would. They'd, they'd put something on for this. This would be a big deal. Sacrifice everything else. And yeah. overall, in three months' time, it would mean, f- oh, two months' time, the week after, it would mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we move to the next night after Boxing Day. It is December 27th. It's WCW Starcade 98. 16,066 fans sell yeah. out the building. Yeah. Oh, let me hear that number again. 16,066 fans sell out the building. A sellout? Yeah. The MCI Center in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. A one. <laughs> Imagine if you'd done it at the TWA Dome, following on from Flair's promos. 1.15 buy rate for 431,250 buys. And of course, the big news, the streak's over, Goldberg goes down to the hands of Booker Kevin Nash. And and the black electric dildo. <laughs> yeah, Scott Hall with the taser is, is the finish here, Bam Bam Bigelow and Disco Inferno also run in, Powerbomb, what, what a pop it gets when Goldberg's streak finally comes yeah. to an end. Yeah, we, we talked last week about insufferable or annoying crowds at wrestling shows. I think we're all in agreement here. We take issue with this crowd in Washington. You know, they're they're talking about wanting to drain the swamp in Washington right now. I wish I could have drained it that night. The fists that go up in the air in celebration when Nash wins is disgraceful. (laughs) Absolutely disgraceful. Are they just happy they witnessed history? In which case they're short-sighted idiots. Which puts them up there. That's like cheering the fucking Holocaust, Liam. And given that Goldberg's Jewish, I think apropos. <laughs> for a lot, for, 100 and, for 106 shows now, we've we've done interspersed court cases. Sorry, Carl, you're okay. Carl's, Carl might be having a heart attack, folks. But it could be indigestion. I'm <laughs> 106 shows. Um, we've done interspersed court cases trying to find out who killed WCW yeah well fuckers if you one of those folks on that night in Washington I'm blaming you <laughs> you are guilty. you fuckers killed WCW by cheering Kevin Ash in this absolute clusterfuck of an idea yeah. what really grinds my gears about it isn't the actual Kevin Ash beating Goldberg or Goldberg losing it's look at Lesnar and Goldberg mm-hmm. okay emphasis storytelling this is it's Goldberg loses in the midst of another NWO go around another swerve another turn another getting back together so it gives a fuck what it doesn't matter it's just such a mess and at the bottom of it you've got Bill Goldberg arriving around because he's been electrocuted by cattle prod it's fucking ridiculous um and yeah, well, fuck you. Fuck you very much. <laughs> WCW, Kevin yeah. Nash, DDP, and Scott Hall. The move that was planned for months before they did it to beat Goldberg at Starcade. The discernible reason for doing it? Who knows? Maybe they read The Observer, and I, I fucking guarantee you, actually, I bet Nash used the Obser- Meltzer's words in The Observer as a way to sell this to at least one person. Mm. Telling you now, look, he's cold, it says so. Yeah. Well, this... This is the same company that on, I think it was World War Three in 95, so I had to burn a copy of The Observer Observe during the pay-per-view. Yeah, that's just hilarious. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't put it past them without line of thinking at all, Kieran. It's just, the, the Gold, Goldberg has to lose at some point. No, no one disputes that. 
but it shouldn't be to this individual it shouldn't be now and it, sh- it shouldn't be at this point in time and it shouldn't be in that manner mm. like, like, Kieran's right it's, 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 it's that same cycle this could have been a defeat on a nitro for all anyone cares with, with for the sh- anyone against anyone yeah you know, it, it's 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 the pay per view ending in the same way that pretty much every TV show ends, except this one actually has a finish, which is detrimental. Ugh. But yeah, you know, the, the, there's all this sort of chaos going on, and and this is the sort of thing of when Goldberg loses, when the time is right, which then wasn't, even if they had delib- even if they had deliberately, in the sense of malpractice tried to cut him off at the knees and cool his jets you know it should be coming months if not another year away perhaps depending on how you want to play it now you can genuinely gauge a crowd response and it should be something that has you know it's like you know, a glaring light should be on it this clean monumental victory the person who you know, pardon Stephen the Heyman phrase but conquered the streak mm. you know that's what it should be but no, as Kim said, it, it's the schmoz. It's a cattle prod. It's a pow- it's a fuck finish. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fuck finish that loses any sense of gravitas. Yeah, it's just it's just another bullshit wacky wrestling finish to the one guy that people thought was that we've seen incredible. a million times doing it to the one guy who should be different, who was different yeah. in that company. And that's it. And that's what we're, you know, this is the end of the Goldberg title run, the only title run that Goldberg would have in WCW. Oh, by the way, <laughs> think about that when you talk about Jeff Jarrett four-time champion. <laughs> yeah, there's many title runs as Vince Russo did. What's that follow-up? So what's, yeah. the, what's the follow-up? Well, we'll get to that tomorrow on, on, on Nitro. But the thing with this is, ever since Goldberg's won the belt, what hot issue has Goldberg had for the last six months as champion? Nothing. He's just he's in the background player to Hogan and Warrior. He was in a feud with DDP that wasn't a feud. This thing with Nash and, and Bigelow has has just pulled him down, and, and isn't a high issue. It's just a pile of shit going on every and, week. And even then, even then, like you say, it's it's Goldberg's second fiddle to Hogan, mm. having just beat him for the belt. You know, and Jay Leno and the Mailman <laughs> and Rodzilla. Then you've got the he's second fiddle to Hogan again. At Halloween Havoc, because it's Hogan Warrior, mm-hmm. and in truth, at Starcade, he's second fiddle to Flair and Bischoff, really, in the build-up. Really, build so he's been given; he's not been made the real focal point at any at any stage during his title run. He's played second fiddle to sort of quasi NWO storylines, mm-hmm. and his streak has effectively ended as part of collateral damage for another NWO run. Yeah, as we'll get to. But uh, not all, let's get to the show here a little bit. Not a bad, not, all, not a show with all bad stuff, but definitely a bad show vibe. Um, we start with a couple of good Kibben matches to try and make him. The crowd's not really into it, though. They're chanting boring, unfortunately, in the, uh, the three-way with uh, Mysterio and Hoobie, which leads to the match with Eddie Guerrero. Good matches, but the crowd's not into it. And we follow that up with a real murderer's row of matches here. No, this is the biggest show of the year. Norman Smiley versus Prince Iakea. Perry Saturn versus Ernest Miller, Brian Adams and Scott Norton versus Dave Finley and Jerry Flynn, ref bumps and run-ins galore. Eric Bischoff pins Ric Flair in a finish that was changed within the last seven days. 
DDP beats the Giants, and of course, as we mentioned, Kevin Ash beats Goldberg. There was a big initial pop for seeing the title change, but after the show went off the air and Luger and Conan were in the ring for the big celebration, the crowd was 60% booze. Uh, it should be noted here that, of course, the booking committee, Eric Bischoff, DDP, and Kevin Ash all went over in the top two matches on the show. <laughs> Uh, at one point there were plans for a Lex Luger-Scott Steiner match but Lex Luger nixed it and it was never announced on television although it was on the hotline Scott Hall vs Bam Bam Bigelow was announced for Starcade on WCW Saturday night but also didn't take place nor was it even acknowledged during the broadcast despite being hyped on TV as a last minute special addition to the show why, why should it take place? by this point Bigelow's still not employed by the company I think they've forgotten that minor detail, Carl, because uh, he's, he's resting the Disco Inferno tomorrow on Nitro, and it doesn't really make a fucking hill of beans. Another disastrous Starcade from, from a booking just... perspective, from, from, from an enjoyment perspective. Two in a row here, stinkeroos. It just leaves such a bad taste in the mouth, doesn't it? it really... Brian Adams and, and Scott Norton versus Dave Finley <sighs> and Jerry Flynn. I, I would say it dumbfounds me that they decided to change the finish of... Um of Flair and Bischoff but I'm sure they've got a very strong reason for doing it which we'll probably get to the next day on Nitro Ric Flair comes out with baggage in hand saying he's about to go home for good but came back took off his shirt his shoes <laughs> threw one of them in the crowd and then decapitated a fan by the way if you were watching before the show started uh, and then strips down to his boxers and handcuffs himself to the ropes uh, in between all of that was another example of why he's Ric Flair and there will never be another says Dave Meltzer uh, Flair was ripping up $100 bills and going out of his mind offering up all his money his home his car and his career if Bischoff would face him and in return if he won Flair would become the president of WCW for 90 days which Bischoff accepted so uh, that's your main event match we're doing Flair and Bischoff again uh, one day after Starcade. and may I just point out that the Goldberg loss to Nash isn't mentioned until Prince Ikea is walking out for the first match aren't aren't those folks glad that they paid for Starcade? must I'm they sure be you, thrilled you said that exact same thing for the Sting Hogan match one year before I think that's quite apt. they have a knack for this don't they you know we, we talk about the the, the vicious cycle of WCW booking and sort of circling the drain and it's only it's only fair that Starcade 98 should mirror Starcade 97 where do you even begin it's just a and you you see this flair promo and, and as ridiculous as it sounds flair there in his underwear and, and god knows when when we watched it I made a few wisecracks about Ric Flair finance and, and oh because he's ripping up the dollar yeah, bills yeah ripping up the dollar bills and all, all the sort of remarks the sarcastic remarks we could make about Flair's personal failings when it comes to finance and other, <laughs> and other things and oh and um, and ignoring the advice of his wife which hmm. is also referenced in there yeah um, you know it is a fantastic promo it's incredible it's great and you sit there and think this I, I shouldn't be annoyed seeing this but I am a little bit because it's been preceded by the bullshit back injury storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Him losing to Bischoff yeah. on the biggest show of the year oh, Kurt, yeah, just a, yeah it's, a, it's a fuck finish he doesn't pin him clean Kurt Hennig gives him knuckles he pops him softly in the forehead and Flair lies down for three seconds but you can just see the crowd deflate at Starcade no, and Flair it's loses. just even even with it being a fuck finish it's not the fact the fact that it's a fuck finish is irrelevant you have just cut his balls off mm-hmm. at the pay-per-view after, after he had that you know emotional return a lacklustre few weeks following that where they really failed to capitalise and 
Flair has worked so damn hard to get people interested in the story again throughout the month of December. Yeah. For then, you know, it, it's basically, you know, you're about to fire the cannon and it just misfires completely or you go, you go to fire the gun and it just ends up being a water pistol or something like that. It's just... So, so you know, it's, it's like you say, it's, it's it's the way the crowd deflates. So you you piss off the audience at Starcade, and then just to really hammer the point home, you then give away the match again on free TV. Uh, I yeah, I wasn't really a fan of the promo. I mean, he's great, okay, and the, the the props, the set, the set piece with the clothes and uh, the money, it's great. But okay, so he comes out and starts off. No excuses. Got my ass kicked last night. Gene's trying to make the Gene's trying to say, him. yeah. But then he goes off and he's talking about. He was saying the the the, the gist is that he Bischoff said he was broke, but he says I'm not broke. I've got all this sh- cool shit, and I put it all on the line mm. for one more chance. And it was just oh, cool. You did it the next night on on, on Nitro Ace, and it ah, oh, it's that Nitro, and this isn't on Flair. It's the Nitro. Storytelling in general that that we mentioned it in the last show about the everything it, emphasis on absolutely everything or everything gets screamed out in the same fucking inflection of voice and it's cool but you, he's After not pissed while. he's not pissed off he's not pissed off at the heat Bischoff got off on him last night because he kind of blazed it off but he wants to still kick his ass so he's kind of disregarding last night and we're going to do it again because it's nitro. It's just I don't know it's just not good storytelling. It, it, it's not great. Like, like I say it's. I, it, it's a mixed bag for me because I, I enjoy Flair's performance like I say it's annoying in the context of what's preceded it but let's just say for argument's sake you still go with that finish at Starcade. if you then decide you want to you you do want the the, the final bluff of Flair get, getting the win back off Bischoff which sounds a ludicrous statement to say out loud <laughs> if you're going to do it and you're determined to do that you don't throw it away on Nitro the next night and, and insult your audience who you've already pissed off because you're giving away the match free on TV the night after. You have you, know, you have Flair miserable as sin that after all this, on that one, that one opportunity he got to properly get his hands on Bischoff in an official capacity with no risk of lawsuits or risk of making him broke, he got fucked over again. <laughs> and then, but then, you know, you build from there in the ensuing weeks in a sort of desperate attempt from wanting to get another match with Bischoff and you'd have Bischoff you know you get a cage so no one can yeah, get in and, but you have, you have Bischoff refusing for weeks and, you know you can see the, the smarmy Bischoff bro. you had your chance and you blew it Flair I, be, I got a win over Rick Flair yeah, yeah. it's so easy you know it, it's so it, it's not perfect again it's not perfect <coughs> oh sorry it's not perfect storytelling to, to your point Kim but it's just that's the way if you've boxed yourself into that corner at Starcade. that's the way you come out of it logically to me but there's a wrestling ratings war to win Carl and the point is there is nothing that exemplifies <laughs> it more than after Nash beats Goldberg the words out of the, the commentator's mouths are can you imagine what's going to happen tomorrow on yeah, Nitro was there any stip at Starcade? no okay oh. well that's alright then 
<laughs> peek at the next night. Well, that's pretty much what they were doing here. Uh, Nash did an interview and was heavily booed with a huge Goldberg chant. Not a Goldberg sucks chant. Did you know that? That's strange. I'm sure I heard Big Kev uh, say different on a, on a shoot interview or two. Uh, Nash tried to do a babyface interview, but the people wouldn't cooperate. Uh, he challenged Goldberg to a title match at the Georgia Dome uh, next week, basically saying that Scott Hall, uh, on, in his own demented way, thought he was doing him a favour, but he didn't want to win the title that way. Yeah, because God knows if there's one thing you can associate with Kevin Nash's run, it's moral integrity. Mm-hmm. But again, sorry, where are they next week for Nitro? The Georgia Dome. For fuck's sake. It's <laughs> a weak build, Carl. What are you talking about? Oh, well, stone me. Ch- just... Why didn't you have Starcade at the Georgia Dome, you fuckwits? <laughs> However, we we go we go from a we go we go from a fucking arena in Houston that can hold sixty thousand to the TWA dome, which I think can hold fifty five thousand, to a pay per view where you hold sixteen thousand, and end the streak, and end the streak. Then to two weeks later, go to the Georgia Dome, which again can hold sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah, but they're thinking, fuck, we got like forty thousand last time at the Georgia Dome. If we give them a Starcade, none of them will come back, so it's going to be fucking god-awful, so <laughs> let's bury that in the, you know... Bearing in mind the way that, that those fans initially reacted to Goldberg being pinned, I'm not giving them that much courtesy for their intelligence. And you wouldn't be given any on this show because Goldberg's not on the show in the follow-up. Remember, we talked before about the, the follow-up to when Steve Austin lost the title in a shit, in a really shitty way back in September. And the next night on Raw, he's plastered all over it. He's all, on the rampage. He's on the rampage. It's the Steve Austin show as he goes out to write how he was wrong. Goldberg's not on the show. This Nash promo is pretty much it, with the exception of they bring in some fucking bloke. You see this segment where... For about six minutes, it's I don't even know who the fuck this guy. It's some random dude talking about the cattle prod and talking about what, the, the, what a cattle prod can do. And is it the Mountie? <laughs> no, sadly not. Um, but it's it how it can knock down a bull and how it can you know it would put down anybody and basically it's put over this cattle prod, which might be the new top star in WCW for the attention it got. It's just just crazy. Um, however, one good bit of booking here, maybe is. <laughs> Raven comes home with Chris Canyon. <laughs> this is the segment where Raven gets out of his, is in the backseat of the car. His mom is, is driving into the house, and he comes, he goes into his mansion, and like his mom's just like, you know, do you want some chocolate milk? And Raven's like, I don't want milk in my chocolate, mom. Leave me alone. Take your jacket off, Scotty. I won't take my jacket off, mom. <laughs> he goes to watch TV, and the TV won't turn on. He's like, Mom, TV won't turn on. Use the remote, Scotty. Not working. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like, you know, like this whole thing with Raven, he really wanted to do this apparently, but I thought this was killing the Raven character at the time. I think of the mindset though, it's okay, what can, can what can I do that's not gonna be fucking sabotaged by these other by the NWA or self contained horse like Jericho. Exactly. Yeah, that's the answer, surely. It's revealed on this show, by the way, that it was not an arm injury, not a back injury, not a heart attack. Ric Flair was poisoned by Eric Bischoff, and that's how uh, he suffered his chest pains that led to the heart attack angle. You don't get enough blow darts in wrestling, do you? Uh, other than that one time we got with the Big Show. <laughs> Big Kurt Angle firing the blow darts at Big Show, that's quite great. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> but not enough. They need, to, yeah, they need to make a comeback. I agree with you there. Maybe that's it. Take down Kevin Owens with blow darts. That's how Lesnar beats Goldberg. Like <laughs> fifty blow darts in his butt cheeks. That'd be great. Just, just use a taser. Uh, oh yeah. It's easy. 
Uh, Scott Steiner wins the television title from Conan here. Uh, Conan has the tequila sunrise on, uh, and uh, you knew there was no way in hell that Steiner was going to tap out for the move. Bagwell tries to pull Scott towards the ropes. Luger comes out in the guise of helping Conan, but in pulling Bagwell away, actually pulls Scott Steiner closer to the ropes for the, uh, the rope break. Uh, which the announcers point out. Obviously, it ends with the Steiner recliner to win. So I like the ambiguity here. Of, after Steiner and Bagwell were talking about wanting to, you know, Lex to kind of jump ship to the NWO Hollywood of the uh, the amb- and they done something at Starcade two teasing this uh, with Steiner and Bagwell and Luger, where they're kind of alluding to the fact that was this an accident? Was it not? You know, what, what was Luger's intentions here? Pretty interesting. And obviously, this uh, this will pay off in one week's time. <laughs> um, the main event on the show is, of course, Ric Flair versus Eric Bischoff. Flair absolutely destroyed him. The Giant runs in. Randy Savage runs in out of nowhere, having not been seen in, in fucking Christ knows how long. In an NWO t-shirt, high-fives the Giant, then gives him a low blow, uh, and then Dex, Dex, that's it, that's the Giant out of the way. Savage fucks off. He's got Gorgeous George with him. Um, Ric Flair puts him in the figure four, wins, and everyone celebrates to end the show. Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes and Larry Zabisco hit the ring for this big climactic moment of the end of the Bischoff era. Real feel-good moment here. The fans do go crazy as as, uh, as Flair gets the win, but again, you just get that feeling. They're just happy to see an actual actual finish. Well, that's it. We've got everybody running around ringside trying to, you know, kind of prevent the NWO from from fucking this up again. So yeah, that probably is a big part of it. Feel-good moment to end the show here, but Randy Savage coming back just felt really out of place because we wouldn't even, again, we wouldn't see him for ages after this. Until his what up, uh, so, yeah, his he, what up match period. Which yeah, is, he, he wouldn't return until um, Spring Stampede. For a feel good moment, it rings so hollow to me. Watching it, really does. Wasn't done as a make good. This is the plan. Yeah, of course it was. They, 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 oh, they, yeah, they yeah, this yeah, is the plan. Finish a week ago, as they've not said. Yeah. And I thought, oh fuck, we can we can get rain out of this. Yeah, shit. Why don't we do this more often? Yeah, uh, probably in response to the fact that fucking Flair's segment was the only one that won the quarter hour. Honestly, it's, it's, it's reactionary Monday Night Reigns thought again. Uh, over on Raw, this same night, December 28th, the Stooges and Kane beat up Mankind. <laughs> this is where Patterson's really starting to lay it in thick here with... Uh, actually, it's Vince at first, isn't it? Who's laying it in thick with Kane about how he owns him and... Uh... And, and Patterson's behind Kane in the old crazy single-single <laughs> there, and you, you just have Vince saying, like, Patterson, knock it off! <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's corporation uh, retaliation this week is the plan Road Dogg and Val Venus are supposed to have a hardcore match it's uh, interrupted with a non-finish and the corporation just runs in uh, Vince does a promo vowing to fire Shawn Michaels uh, because uh, Shawn was there and kind of standing idly by as X-Pac gave the Bronco Buster last week uh, to Shane McMahon uh, Vince later on wants DX on his mantle and demands that Kane get them there uh, with uh, of course the Stooges insulting him the entire time he says this um, backstage Dennis Knight is hanging out with X-Pac like they're buddies this was bizarre obviously it's, it's, it's one of those classic oh we've got to justify him he's there because there's something coming with him because later on he gets beaten up by the acolytes and shoved in the trunk of a car were you happy to see Phineas back at least they showed him because if there's <laughs> this is WCW Macho Man he'd just fucking just get, show up he'd just end up in the, in the trunk of a car just show up getting beaten by yeah. the acolytes actually they'll probably just tell us there's someone in the car yeah, <laughs> I, I will say the um, it's it, I, I can't really re- recall how I thought about it at the time but watching it in preparation for, for this timeline show I was like oh this is where the ministry really picks up steam doesn't yes, it yes it is right after uh, the buried alive but, it, but it's just one thing that did strike me was that the sort of stiff shit kicking he takes when they drag when they drag him out of the car that's pretty vicious the, the acolytes who have not seen much TV time since they uh, formed as a team no it's like a, a couple of run-ins where, where um, the jackal was with them at yeah. one point and 
he's now disappeared and it's not explained why he ever goes away it's just but yeah it, I just watching this back uh, last week oh shit here we go <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah the theme of the show is Corporation DX Matters again X-Pac and Boss Man ends in a schmaz. Uh we do get the Vince training video here the first training <laughs> video with him drinking the eggs and doing the old fucking Ivan Drago fucking malarkey eat, eat thunder and crap lightning yeah what do you think of Vince training here uh, this is wonderful yeah we'll talk about obviously there's follow up ones but this there's, first one there's, there's, there's follow up ones but yeah it, the idea of him screaming I hate Austin as he's got the weight on his chest and Shane with his fingers on his shoulders and Shane and don't let these fingers stop you these fingers <laughs> it's just it's, it's, Shane's good here Shane's good here it's, it's hammy Vince at his best and the progression with the eggs they're going down quicker now and it's he's building up it's <laughs> in terms of levels of sort of hokey enjoyment it, it it's up there with the sexual chocolate stuff for me during this time period and I think that's high praise <laughs> and of course he does his the Hogan poses which is just funny yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, the spider lady attacks Sable on this show <laughs> this is an odd one a real call back to the uh, to the six people that remember the fact that Fabulous Moolah was the spider lady to double cross Wendy Richter back in the day but, uh, the original double cross yes indeed it just goes to show Vince has still got double cross on the mind indeed he does and that right Wade <laughs> As Luna Vashan is the one that attacks Sable, a shocking heel turn here for Luna. I'm sure you cared. Uh, Tori gave Sable a flower in another angle that proves that the Divas Revolution wasn't exclusive to 2015. And uh, Triple H beats Ken Shamrock by disqualification uh, for not uh, for Shamrock not breaking his ankle lock when Triple H had the ropes for a gutless finish. Um, The Stooges have to convince Kane to do the run-in, and when he does, DX runs. The follow-up to this is Kane wrestles Billy Gunn, just annihilates Billy Gunn and the Corporation DX uh, do run in, so it's, it's just the continuing theme here. However, the real star, Mark Henry, begs China for forgiveness after what happened last week. He's distraught, he's sad, PMS come out, of course Terry and Jacqueline, they come out and uh, China comes out and pushes Jacqueline over uh, and China says to stay away from my man which elicits an enormous grin on the face of Mark Henry. This is beautiful. It's the first of all, when, they come out, when PMS come out, Mark Henry jumps behind D-Lo. Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. And uh, yeah, the, the smile on Mark's face when she confirms that he's her man. It's, it's beautiful Lo- yeah. love's a beautiful thing he's, he's, so, he's so excited <laughs> he's like I fucking told you that you took T-Lo like yeah. Yeah, I I um, and, and and the way him and D-Lo hug D-Lo being so happy for his friend and I um, I hate the way this turns out from there Mark. aren't there aren't many things that um, <clears throat> excuse me there aren't there aren't many <laughs> things that get me choked up in wrestling but um I cried. <laughs> it, was, it was um it was it was beautiful. Road Dog versus Mankind for the hardcore title takes place. The rocker interferes and there's a little countdown behind Mankind as he gives him the rock bottom on the concrete. Another bump I'm sure he needed to take. And the main event of the show is Vincent and firing Shawn Michaels, uh, in which case Shawn responds with a fantastic super kick, laying Vince out in the middle of the ring. The corporation hits the ring, Shawn flees through the crowd to end the show so Sean is now officially out of the corporation yeah they shouldn't last long no he's kind of is there a backstory to this him getting shit can yes we'll get to it okay I mean yes, it was flimsy anyway was, I think they should start off Vince shows a clip of Sean from earlier in the year or maybe 97 mm. when Sean just looks pilled up out, out of his, his face. mind yeah. and he's cutting his 
fucking vitriolic promo into the camera, about an inch away from the camera, saying that how much Vince needs him and he can't go anywhere. And he fucking yeah. It's just I can't remember. Was that did they ever cut? Was that did that air? Yeah, yeah. Did he? I can't remember it. And um, yeah, he's just I love Sean. He's pure angry best. But um, <laughs> and then they showed the, the from uh, the Shane uh, mankind. Uh, match when Shane's uh, sorry uh, Sean's on, on on the on the ramp with Rock with the corporation and he's kind of, yeah and he's, he's like Rock's trying to get involved and Sean just kind of holding him back saying no wait there wait there kind of thing so that was the, that was the reason they gave it was flimsy yeah. but at least it was a reason yeah um super 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 kick obviously oh, look great because this guy is magic and with a completely a completely fused spine this guy could wrestle easily uh, never mind in the perfectly healthy situation that he was at this point in time yeah, I think he, had, he hadn't had the surgery yet because he didn't need it that's all right. <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, Raw did a 4.9 to Nitro's 4.6 uh, Flair versus Bischoff in the main event did a 6.15 rating uh, Raw won 6 of the 8 quarters but uh, the two that Nitro won were a match with uh, Rey Mysterio and Billy Kimmel against Eddie Guerrero and Juventus Guerrero a very good match uh, again, the crowd wasn't super into it, but it was fun, you know, de- de- you know, decent enough match. And Flair and Bischoff. Flair and Bischoff in the main event actually, in the main event segment, they actually won the main event segment against uh, Sean getting fired. So Cool, everything's right with the world then. Yeah, the big story out of Nitro, of course, is the lack of focus at the end of the street got in comparison to Bischoff pinning Flair throughout the show. So, uh, what can you say? All about prioritising. The day afterwards, December 29th, Raw is taped... And Mankind captures the WWF Championship from The Rock using outside interference from Steve Austin. Uh, it is expected that this will be a short-term title change with The Rock regaining at the Rumble. Uh, when we received word ahead of time of this potential change, it was said that this was because they were looking for a major counter for the Goldberg vs. Nash match from the Georgia Dome that will be airing head-to-head live on WCW Nitro. So uh, there you go, Mankind, Carl, has finally done it. He's won the WWF Championship. Your thoughts? Um, well, what I'll say firstly is that the WWF at this point has a bit of leeway in comparison to WCW in the sense they don't continually throw away main events and sort of piss piss money down the drain in that sense. So they they've got a bit of sort of goodwill, I suppose, in in that regard. Um, as far as it goes to um, the world title victory of uh, Michael Francis Foley, <laughs> I. <Very brief. laughs> I feel it would be inappropriate for me to comment on it in great detail now and I think it's something really I'd be more comfortable touching upon when we get to the point where that episode of Raw airs for the next timeline Okay, a teaser there for January 99 Uh, In the talk it's mentioned that Steve Austin was not pleased that he was ordered by Vincent Mann to appear at this Raw taping this week uh, which has added a lot of tension to an already rocky relationship after what we talked about last uh, last month with uh, Rocky getting some of the promotional coverage that was originally slated for Austin and Austin getting the kind of sideswiped out of Universal Soldier to the return don't know why, but uh, he was very unhappy with that at the time, wanting a SAG card. Um, Austin had been promised time off to go hunting after his uh, injury. And fucking Sid, all of a sudden. And just before Austin left to go to the airport, man told him that he needed him that night at the tapings. Austin, at first, refused to go on such short notice because he'd have to cancel his hunting plans with his friends until Vince insisted and Austin eventually agreed. So, uh, there you go. Under duress, he costs The Rock the WF Championship. Yeah, it's not as rosy as we think. Um, just what we referenced earlier about bad habits that create from this time, the fucking use of The Rock. 
and we've said it all along this guy's won the title in the screwiest of screwy manners he then retains it in the shittiest manner possible retains it in the most bullshit manner he loses most of the time <laughs> he doesn't look strong at all as a champion unless he's wrestling Al Snow he then drops like the belt uh, to, you know swaps swaps the belt with Foley a few times this is the shit they do today and no one gets over but it's rock and mm. it's like he was so they were on a roll he was so charismatic people seemed to just oh, let it slide but bad habits form from getting away stuff at this time which just fundamentally in terms of wrestling logic you shouldn't get away with you're right and, and because there was no because there was no penalty for it back then they don't feel that they need to take accountability for it now it, it, it's um, it, it's uh, you, you can see the um the warning signs in the, the modern day product here in the 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 height of the war. Um, it's an interesting one that that dynamic with with Austin and Vince, isn't it? You know, Liam's reference before uh, Austin's element of, of paranoia, um, and it, it's funny that maybe it's a, a, a sign of Vince's confidence in that. Um, he is, despite the sort of rumblings of discontent, he's adamant that Austin must be there. You know, you contrast that with 12 months earlier or 18 months earlier. Um, it, you know, bear in mind what we've seen with Austin not being on the show, having a detrimental effect, uh, some which with the ratings. I just I can't imagine you know imagine Vince taking attempting to make that hard, take that hardline stance with Sean back in the day, it didn't happen. Look what's happening in WCW yeah. when they when Scott Norton doesn't want to wrestle Booker T, for fuck's sake, no one's saying no to these wrestlers. That's it, and and you just think, you know, it's it's a sign of Vince's confidence and and the, sort of the the feeling that he's got the the superior hand now over WCW that he's. That he's willing to upset his top, his biggest star. Saying, "Look, get your ass here." It's it's that sort of it's that, that domineering Vince of of, of the of his eighties pomp, <laughs> almost almost returning. Yeah, I just think it's rather than his position strength over WCW, it's the position over Austin that Sean Sean would have fucking loved to jump ship and collect a few million dollars and do fuck all. He tried. Around. He tried exactly. He knows Austin's not going to go back. As valuable as Austin is now, they'd pay whatever they. If if Austin went, he'd demand a shit ton of money. It would cause chaos in the locker. And first of all, they wouldn't even agree a deal with the, the other boys in WCW yeah. that would facilitate Austin going there. Austin wouldn't go there anyway because of what happened previously and how he would be used and his current position and what he's going to make anyway. So Vince knows. Look, you know, he Vince knows. Austin knows the grass isn't greener on the other side. And now, after all the bullshit, the power has swung in his favour a little bit, and you're not going to go anywhere because we've got the vehicle here. Mm-hmm. I, and this will actually, I, as a precursor, this will become an underlying recurring thing throughout the 1999 shows that we do. I, I, I suppose we'll, we'll see when we get to those. It, it's not that you, your, your points are salient points, Ken. I, just, I, think, I think Austin or anyone will go anywhere for the right amount of money. I, I think if they, if they threw as much WCW this is if they threw as much money as I think they would throw at Austin to get him to jump I think Austin would have still gone I don't know I don't, I, I don't, he doesn't have 
I think no, and, and I, I don't think he would. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, just, he's, just, got, he's got Brett as the case study. No fucking chance. He he has got yeah, the eyes, Brett Scott. No, I, no, but yeah, yeah, no, we know creatively the, ga- the grass isn't greener, and I don't doubt for a second that they would horribly misuse Austin. Mm. I absolutely believe that, but I still, I still wouldn't be willing to rule out the notion that for the right money, you just take the money. Yeah, so fine, I'll the, take the money, the dollars and cents, and then yeah. just clock it in. Yeah, because well, Brett, you know, it's not the same situation as Brett, where Brett seemed to have this unyielding loyalty to the WF and sort of Vince as a father figure. Austin's that paranoid. If he thinks Vince is going to screw him over anyway, for the right money, yeah, fuck it. He, 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 dog he, eat dog. Yeah, he knows it's a bad situation at WCW. He knows what he's going into, but you know, let's arbitrary figure, four million a year. He's making more than that now. Yeah, well, for, well, well yeah. The bottomless pit of money that WCW is ten million dollars. Well, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then who asked? Who else asked? And who else has got in their contract? They probably equal. They're entitled. The favoured nations. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's but that's not Austin's problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero have not signed their uh, three-year contract extensions, but have basically agreed to terms with WCW. The deals are for one point three five million dollars in total over three years. At one time or another, all three were at real odds with the company and wanted to leave for the WWF, and it was almost considered a sure thing they would go. The money is the main reason for staying. Apropos, we were just saying, the WWF's increasing reputation for poor payoffs in relation to wrestlers' downside guarantees that we mentioned earlier for the breakdown pay-per-view was said to be the deciding factor in opening Benoit Malenko and Guerrero to the idea of staying in WCW. So WWF's kind of stingy payoffs on pay-per-views comes back to bite them here on these uh, opportunity-based downside guarantees. Oh yeah, specifically for guys in that, that middle card, area. Yeah. 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 Um, Rey Mysterio is also expected to sign shortly, but Chris Jericho is now the lone major holdout in question. Again, a recurring story that we'll continue, uh, continue to touch on. Update on the WCW NBC deal. It is a six-date deal, although there are options for more than that, and specific dates have been given, although if the ratings aren't good, NBC can cancel at any time. As things are now planned, NBC wants all the shows to come from Vegas and wants its own network stars at the shows for cross-promotion, as we already mentioned. Eric Bischoff, in a meeting with the wrestlers, told them that NBC didn't want to have anything to do with the WWF because the product is currently too raunchy, which goes back to what Bischoff said in the meeting, talking about he doesn't want anybody doing anything raunchy for the next few weeks. This was why. Uh, the WWF, however, did contact NBC over the weekend after the stories got out, and according to those in Scott Sasser's office at NBC, they claimed there is no done deal. And McMahon is set to question whether there is a deal both because of how he was told that, and because NBC have never publicly confirmed the existence of such deal in any media story to date, and because he didn't believe they'd make such a deal without at least talking to him first on a serious level. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So this golden carrot we've been talking about, lads. What do you make of this? Another Bischoff con? Time to go back to Wyoming, Irk. (laughs) (laughs) That vacation in France is looking pretty appetising right now, isn't it? There's nothing I heard in there that categorically ruled out the deal either, though. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see. I I reckon easy you can pull it out. Indeed. Uh, The reason they did the angle turning Shawn Michaels' babyface, Kieran, you asked for the answer earlier on, stems from his latest medical opinion on his back this week before Christmas. Uh, Michaels was told, in no uncertain terms, he needed to have the back surgery to fuse the discs. He's undergoing the surgery in a few weeks, so the firing was basically uh, come up with as a late storyline change to get sympathy on him, so he'll have an issue for his return. 
uh, as, an, as an added addendum here. If you like ironies, the WWF is planning to send Shawn Michaels to a school in Beaumont, Texas to warn kids not to do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dave you and your sharp sense of humour see that's the answer Sean looks like he's going to be out for a significant period due to the surgery bring him back as a baby face real ham-fisted use of Sean Michaels for this two months yeah I mean they just shouldn't have brought him back at all because they've the baby face believability I suppose it wouldn't matter anyway but it, it kind of yeah the, 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 the fit as the heel it just didn't it wasn't right no it wasn't right it wasn't right at all the expectation seems to be that Kevin Nash will give the belt to Hulk Hogan at the Georgia Dome the idea looks to be to go back to what put WCW in this position in 1996 a strong WCW led by the Horsemen versus a strong end of Euro which at this point appears to be Hogan Nash Hall Steiner and Luger there was no strong Horsemen in 96 they got buried <laughs> The only person they beat up was Ed Leslie. I'm sure that it'll be different this time. <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, this was... Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is all part of uh, Eric's master plan. You know, just imagine the, the big face-off you can have at that first NBC special. <laughs> <laughs> but the plan's made. The, the expectation, they're going to hand the belt over. They, they know they've got their plan. They're just wa- wandering in. <laughs> Hail the bullets. <laughs> Mero signed a three-year extension, even though his storyline is that he's retired after being beaten by Dwayne Gill. Mark Mero has not been mentioned on this timeline so far. Signed a three-year contract extension. He would not come back, by the way. Um, oh, no, no. The reason I'm, I'm putting such a quizzical face is, is this sense of, don't fucking tell me for the love of God that Mark Mero was paid for three years not to work. We'll come to that, won't we, in the air as time goes by. Uh, a note from the torch here. The influence of Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara on scripting Rory's War is said to be higher than ever this month because lately Vince McMahon is said to be extremely into his own on-air role and thus has less detailed input than ever on the content of television. As you say, Vince is wrapped up in his own stuff, which is the main stuff on the show. So well, that's, that was what I was going to say. The foundation is still. It's, it's Vince yeah. McMahon, yeah. Steve Williams, Dr. Death, will start back at one of the next two tapings. He is physically ready right now, but they have new ideas that will require new costuming for his new gimmick and uh, vignettes to introduce him. So we'll come to that in the new year. Uh, the WF are hopeful... Is oh. he going to wear scrubs? Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The WWF are hopeful of debuting the Giant in mid-February so it can be part of a major issue for WrestleMania. There is concern regarding his conditioning, discipline and attitude. Do you know why they call him the Giant? (laughs) Uh, The fact that he started losing weight and put it all back on doesn't speak well for a change in lifestyle. Mick Foley officially won the Time Magazine Internet Poll Man of the Year with 192,365 votes. I wonder how many of those are you, Carl. No comment. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero, uh, 31 suffered a major auto accident on the night of New Year's Eve, suffering a lacerated liver, a fractured pelvis, and a large portion of his calf was ripped off. After going to sleep, in the middle of the night, he wound up driving his Trans Am and crashed and was ejected to the top of his car. The car was destroyed. Had he been wearing his seatbelt, he'd have surely been killed. He was thrown from the car and landed in sand face first. When the police came, seeing the condition of the car and the scene of the accident, they were stunned that he was still alive. While it was downplayed publicly, he did nearly die the day after the accident because of problems due to the liver laceration. Moral there, kids. Don't wear your seatbelt. And have ejector seats in your trans arm. <laughs> this is... Uh, reading this just then, that is so similar to Pillman. Really? 
that is so yeah, the, 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 the no seatbelt the thrown from the car at the top the, the, the injuries the, the, the medics arriving and thinking he's dead it's so similar and Eddie Guerrero pretty much outright says in his book that he took him to GHB before he got in the car because yeah. he was halfway he was, he, was, he was in kind of a depressed state of mind and was kind of hoping yeah. something bad would happen it's it's sort of not that I want to discount sort of the personal responsibility on, on Eddie's side of things here but it's it's the environment at the time as well you, you mentioned before Liam it's, it's, it's amazing that nothing serious happened to or nothing more serious I should say happened to Scott Hall during this period you could just as easily imagine given the way Scott Hall was coming off the road that could have been him yeah yeah absolutely. just as easily and it's this notion of the the well-being and a great of, of, of the rest is a greater appreciation of just general circumstances and events outside of this bubble of the of the wars dismissed to such an extent that guys are guys are dying guys are getting serious car wrecks serious this week's story yeah serious long term health issues but everyone's so blinkered by the war everything's going at such a fast pace you just think someone really needed to to pause here and just you know a bit of reflection on, on, on what the hell's going on here and some real strong and sort of strident rules or you know something well so this this the, the, the lack of accountability across the board you talk earlier about bad bad habits in, in booking here and, and the bad habits here you know we've seen Spicoli's died it's not going to be too long before um, Rick Rude well, I was going to say if you want to talk about lack of accountability we know it's coming up in, uh, in May of 1990 yeah, as well Rick Rude's gone we talk about Eddie now, but you know the, the lifestyle issues here. I'm certain would play a part in what yeah, happens in 2005 with the yeah. enlarged heart, and you know it. It all. You know, it's a bad, bad behaviour from a booking standpoint for what happened. You know, bad creative habits, like bad lifestyle habits here, and the impact they have to this day. It's it's remarkable. I mean, totally agree, but at the same time. It's hardly limited to the late nineties. And is is the is the case made that this explosion of popularity in wrestling is um I just the profile of these decimated the Von Eric everyone has been deaths in wrestling for fucking years. There's oh, drugs yeah. in wrestling for oh, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, um, it's just you put it you put them under the magnifying glass of higher profile, bigger stars. Plus it does feel like they're coming in greater volume though, you know. True. But is that is that is it, what is it true though? That's what mm. I'm saying. No. It, or is it just the, the spotlight on wrestling? It's it's something. It's it's every, because wrestling's so hot. Every little story. Yeah, it's. I mean, th- this yeah. is a product of the industry for fucking years. It's not just the WCW or, um, which maybe again the case we made that current WWE deserves a little bit of credit for actually cleaning shit totally up. Do mate, they have done so. Yeah, it totally does. Um, Sports Illustrated is working on a story on Bill Goldberg so despite the fact the streak is over he's uh, still getting some uh, some mainstream press I'm sure they'll be referenced on Nitro <laughs> the WWF- next time they talk about Goldberg they'll mention it <laughs> yeah. the WWF is planning a major angle for The Undertaker's return on the January 11th episode of Raw from Houston which again we'll come to that in the future but 
So, in summarising the year of 1998, here we go. All records were destroyed this year. The WWF increased its attendance 71.7% over the previous year, increased television ratings 48.9%, and increased pay-per-view buy rates by 67.2%. They sold out 33.5% of its house shows, as compared to 16.7% last year, and averaged a gross per house show uh, increase of 99.3%. So they almost doubled their money on house shows. WCW had tremendous increases as well, increasing attendance 46.7%, television ratings 56%, buy rates 17.7%, and sold out 48.8% of its house shows as compared with 40, uh, 40.5% last year. Uh, so they've actually got a higher sellout percentage than WWF on the house shows, though they've run smaller buildings at house shows, which is probably why. Uh, but it, WCW also saw a 90.1% increase in house show growth. So again, money's just flying at these companies in 1998. Uh, realistically, uh, WCW peaked in March and has been on a slow decline ever since. While the WWF's peak was in December and only seems to be on the ascent. And in one of the fascinating bits that I love about this, because we talked about it in the December 1997 show that we did, WCW hasn't run a single show in Canada since signing Bret Hart. <laughs> Not one. They signed him to give him the keys to Canada, a revenue stream that we wouldn't have before. Vince fucked him in Canada because he thought he's a star in Canada. <laughs> let's, 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 let's diminish this value because it's, it's a big thing for, the, for WWF at the time when they weren't winning. And now here they are, WCW's got the biggest Canadian star, doesn't run a show. Given the company's track record, you'd think the least, the least that they could have done was book the sky down for an episode of Thunder. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and yet, in many respects, it really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> $2.8 million, and what have they done with Bret Hart? I had him talk about his cat. He restarted that, the Starcade last year. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That was great. To summarise, Dave Mutter says, All things being equal, based on the current momentum, 1999 should be the year that the WWF increases its gap over WCW. And uh, that is the final note for 1998 in our uh, Monday Night War timeline. What a fantastic, exciting year it's been for us to cover all the uh, the twists and turns in the WF and WCW. So just kind of want to uh, throw to you guys around the table a, a final summary on the year and, and what a year it's been. And, uh, and of course, this month we've been talking about here today what we've seen is is a lot of the things that we've sort of referenced in in previous podcasts in in the sense of we've talked about uh, this sense of WF getting this momentum and wait waiting for it to really peak and for it to really whilst their numbers have got better they don't take out they don't win a, a raw against uh, w, against nitro till uh, march of that year and you think you know they they they've, they've you see throughout the course of 90 they've turned the corner they're gaining ground, and you see this. We've talked about this, this theory, this idea of WCW stagnating. And whilst they're hot now, earlier in the year, the chickens will come home to roost. And even though they're still doing great business, they're still on the surface doing good numbers. You know, we we can we can talk about how you know WF would kill for a four rating for a for a TV show now. You know, but by by any normal metric, it would still be considered a good number on the surface. But you you see that dwindling lead to the point where they've now been surpassed, and they're regularly losing by that point. And even so, despite all my negativity regarding WCW in particular, I find it so galling looking back in the sense of 
even at this point there is plenty of life in that company with the right person at the helm with a clear sense of direction rather than the ham-fisted terrible plan that they're preparing for at the first nitro of 99 you just think you know you, when it snowballs it snowballs quickly you, and you just think when I talk we talked about the save in WCW and I made the, the point on the I think we picked September didn't we because when Russo comes in yes uh, I maintain the claim that by that point I don't think they can be saved yeah, September like, ni- October 99 October 99 by October 99 I don't think they can be saved I, I think they can last maybe a bit longer and lose a hell of a lot less than they than they did but I don't think they can be saved at this stage yes there's problems but there's still a good cash flow the numbers are bad in the context of their competitor but they're still healthy numbers there, there is life in this company it's just it's really depressing to think about. It is, it is. Especially because there are notes that I'm, I'm planning right now for obviously in the new year when we hit 1999 and boy am I going to be sad <coughs> doing those shows. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we've marvelled on previous shows on how competitive WCW was neck and neck for a long period of time even now longer it's, than we thought okay now you know they're losing a lot of you know seven or eight segments out of eight some some weeks but there's still glimmers there there's so much talent still on the show you could fucking take a scalpel and cut out all the deadwood and by deadwood I'm talking Hogan Nash I'm talking stars that's the thing they, the, the advantage they had all this time and um, I maintain is that the, the fucking litany of stars they got a, a roster of about 5,000 people and full of stars um, there's so much. Sh- it's not even shit thrown against the wall. It's just okay. Now the three. Now with the three hours, it's compounded. This huge roster of these fucking no marks filling out the card. Nothing resonates. Um, and on the other show, you've got this smaller roster that's really fucking tightly written on the whole, with a direction, with the one megastar, and now they're building other stars. And it's okay. Rocks getting close he's really close yeah. if not he's not there already Foley's now coming to his own Taker is is for me he's, he's, he's a not a passenger but he's he's a, he's a he's a supporting player but he's a he's a name supporting player okay Kane is he's got a cult following he's Kane mm. he's still somebody and yeah. DX is becoming this month I think the one the flip side of of what happened in December was that DX were really focused on okay Maybe not individually as stars. They, they at this point they're not getting over. Um, but as a collective and as in terms of functional for the show, DX as an act is over. Mm, yeah. So the stars, you people, we're starting to gravitate to the audience now because they're different to what's on WCW. So that's helping with the numbers, and I think that's borne out by the fact that Austin's not there this month, but they're still doing really well. WCW. The thing is, they've got so much, so many guys there. We've talked about Steiner and Bagwell's yeah. fun guys. Brett's there. Eddie. Ray Jericho Jericho Raven Raven Booker T who I don't think we've mentioned once you've got you've got enough guys to start a completely new company and because of the flair there's enough still star power there to get it over Goldberg fuck's sake Mm. how about him (laughs) you know you've got enough guys there to build a fucking separate company that's awesome and it's just neat it's just the, the shows go around in circles it's rinse repeat most of the time I don't, you don't hardly ever get a feeling of you're building towards something yeah. 
it's something's named and it's done and you get all this fucking filler that's one week to the next and it's just so what um maybe that's half the thing maybe that's half the key you, you could just tune into Nitro and see something random bullshit and it, it was insignificant cool it's, that's not true but it might as well have been yeah. because it, it didn't it never drew me in for me if you weren't apart from Goldberg if you weren't a big fan of I don't know who you'd become a fan of in, in, in this yeah, game yeah to me that's the big thing if you're a fan and you're watching this you can't uh, flare flare your passion you can, you can get into because he's, he's passionate and he was a huge range draw throughout the entire years. He's always been. But does he draw? He never drew new fans. I wouldn't say. Probably not. I think it's probably a, not. Probably a fair guess to make. Yeah. Fucking self-indulgent bullshit going around in circles. Nothing resonates. Nothing matters. The commentary just exacerbates that because of what we mentioned before as well. And it's just really, I find it really hard to get really invested in, in any storylines of WCW on the whole. Whereas at least WWF, you had the payoff of like, there was progression in the company. There was a like, rock, look at Rock, look where Rock's come from. Yeah. You could feel the growth of Rock within that space of a couple of months. Yeah. Um, same with Austin before that. And I could, we had that feeling, obviously, he did become that, but he set the expectation that shit can happen in this company. Guys can become stars. Delay's going to be the next Rock. It's like it, it gives you faith to watch the product because something it's going to it's worth your while to watch it because you might miss something if you don't. And, and, what, you, and what you would miss matters exactly, and the complete opposite to what WCW was for me. And, and watching it back, I still feel the same way. It's just I can you can so what if you miss an hour or two hours of Nitro, it, it gives a flying fuck. Yeah, sounds like now. And, and things even 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 your your lesser stars. Um, like a like a Mark Henry we've joked about, but think of him at the start of January, where he's just another member of the nation. Mm. Could be anyone. To the point where, by the end of the year, yeah, it's comedy and it's it's not you know, it's not going to sell your pay per views, but it's character development. You know, he's shown a bit more charisma now, and him and Delo are, are quite a comical pair. So you got some character development there. Jeff Jarrett, I've never been the greatest fan of. At least, at least he's not coming down in the fucking double J glasses anymore. There's at least, you know, there's even even if guys aren't being made into top stars, things things always feel like they're evolving. Godfather, Godfather. Everyone's kind of assimilated into the the company structure as well, mm -hmm. so they yeah. all feel feel part of the same show rather than these disparate acts that just. Yeah. Turn up one week and we'll see you in two months' match. Thanks for yeah. that. And on that note, I want to uh, pass it over here to uh, Rick Skelton, who's a Tiger Rick on the UK fan forum, for a, a, a bit of a comment here. I know you don't normally do feedback on the timelines, but here's some anyway since it's the end of the year. Uh, thanks very much for the 98 timelines, guys. Uh, they've been great fun, and the nuggets from the observers are a great touch. And one of the people who thinks the Attitude Era wasn't all that it was cracked up to be, which I put down to the pay-per-views being pretty poor and 99 being genuinely rubbish. However, I've been watching back, WWF only, because I'm not a say with the timeline and I'd forgotten how great it was it moves at such a pace every segment generally has some reason to exist the real stars are unashamedly obvious and they've no problem showing it but because there's a proper hierarchy progression of the card is possible and it matters when it happens I forgot how great X-Pac was when he showed up how quickly the Godfather got over what a babyface Kane was how many shit kickings Foley took how much fun the brawl floor was from the moment that the gun sparked Dr. Death how utterly offensive that DX and New York skip was 
<laughs> how uncool Trips was in general and how D'Lo Brown should have been a superstar <laughs> thanks again guys which I love that because again doing these timelines has been so much fun in terms of myth busting or just kind of bringing a bit more perspective into the general thought that you you kind of have when you look back at these things the Observer timeline notes have been great uh, so so uh, thank you very much Dave Meltzer for uh, letting us borrow them <laughs> wink wink and, uh, and, and yeah so I, I think that pretty much wraps up 1998 quite nicely this has been as much as I love doing these timeline shows I always I always love doing the timeline shows but having said that I am this is the fight I mean we are we are approaching the dying embers of this war being competitive and it is going to get real sad real fast when we when we, when we enter yeah, and we've really alluded to that <laughs> yeah in 1999 which uh, is, is not the finest year from a content perspective and we are going to broach that uh, in 2017 so uh, bear with us and join us for those because those are going to be fun in a different way I think to, uh, to, to review the hyper competitive environment we've seen here for the last 12 months so with that said I want to thank everybody for listening I want to thank everybody for uh, all the comments about the timeline they are very much appreciated and that uh, we will be back of course don't forget in a couple of weeks we're doing the death of T so uh, stay tuned for that but uh, we, of course we will be back here at Square Circle Gazette Radio very very soon so for Kieran O'Rourke see you later everybody <laughs> <laughs> and for Carl Jones Ms. Ark's finally shown me how he gets his pecs all the way around his waist like that <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke and uh, we're out here